And welcome to this special edition of Bleeding Green Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. I'm your host, Matt Daniel, and this very long edition of Bleeding Green, I'm, I'm very excited. This boy, I tell you what, I have uh, not had a whole lot of free time this last week. It has been uh, it has been putting this thing together, and I'll be honest, the episode just kind of kept growing and growing and growing, and so it's going to be a little bit different than I thought how it was going to go when I talked to you about this episode last week. So let's kind of break it down. John Dykstra, sports editor for the Maryville Forum, of course, and good friend of the podcast, and he's a good personal friend of mine, is uh, is on. We're going to do a couple of different things. In fact, he, him and I are going to be a good chunk of this thing. We're going to break down and, and talk position group by position group about the 2023 version of the Northwest Missouri State University Bearcat football team. And he has done, he did, and he always does. You know, I I have the utmost respect uh, for what John does, and he does puts out some great, great content. And uh, which, by the way, if you're not in Maryville, you can't get the paper, I would encourage, I subscribe online, the Mary, uh, maryvilleform.com. You just go there. There's a subscribe button up at the top. They're not a sponsor or anything of this podcast, but... I would encourage you to do that. You can pay, I think it's like five bucks a month if, if you want to do the monthly thing. I just pay 29 bucks for the whole year and, and you can read everything. There, there's other options. If you're in Maryville, you can get the paper and have access to the online. Um, I'm not in Maryville. And so I, you know, I focus on that, um, you know, on that online only subscription and content. And so, I mean, 29 bucks for a year, I make way <laughs> way more sketchy purchases of $29 and spend it in way less productive ways. Um, but anyway, he did, he did a great job kind of throughout the summer. I love it as he kind of breaks it down by position group. And, uh, um, so I know he's a great guy to talk to this, to talk about this. And then also we'll, uh, we'll take a time out from that. And then we'll, we'll talk MIAA football and he's been working on his MIAA previews and things. I think it came out in the paper last week, and I think they're all up online now. Um, and and you can go to MaryvilleForum.com, and you can ha- there's so many articles that you can you can look at for free, um, and you can kind of get a taste of of that. But I would encourage you definitely to, uh, you know, if if you like reading stuff like that, I, you know, hold hold them in very high regards. And, and there was a lot of people that notice at MIAA Media Day, John's the one guy that sits there through all of the coaches, all of the players. He's asking questions, and and that's why I feel like he does such a great job on these MIAA previews. So we're going to talk about every team other than the Bearcats as well, and I'm really interested in uh, in his thoughts. And I purposefully, although I've been reading the Bearcat Primers, I purposefully didn't read his his article on, on the MIAA because um, – I, uh, or, or his series of articles on each team in the MIAA because I wanted, you know, to kind of have some different talking points maybe and not just regurgitate whatever it is that he, uh, that he was mentioning and talking about. So he's got some good information. We've got some good information there as well as I, I've had position group coaches on before, but never as many. They're, they're not all on here because my goodness would be here for even longer. But on this week's episode, Joined by recruiting coordinator, special teams coach, and defensive backs coach Brandon Clayton, linebackers coach, former defensive court and co-defensive coordinator, I should say, Chad Bostwick. 
wide receivers coach Zach Martin, running backs coach Roberto uh, Roberto Davis, and coach J.J. Aller, which may be somebody you haven't heard of. I did talk to coach about him a little bit at MIAA Media Day, and he is just the kicking and punting coach. So he uh, he spends a couple of days a week up in Maryville, and, and uh, I, I love following him on social media, on Twitter. He's always posted videos of the guys. And, uh, and Cole and Noah and and, uh, um, and Devin, Joe, besides Mikey, all, all the guys, you know, kind of been uh, been sharing some of that. And, and anyway, we talk about that. I, I love talking about special teams. Um, and I, uh, you know, I catch a little bit of flack from that from some people, but that's OK. I, I mean, it's, it's a big part of the game. It's something that's always been a big part of what we've done. I mean, my goodness, you look at the you know, look at Northwest history of great kickers, great punters, blocking kicks, you know, all of that stuff. Special teams, man, is a big part of, you know, that's something that, that Coach T specifically coached that group for years. So anyway, lots of good stuff there. Lots of, we're, we're diving deep <laughs> into this thing, as well as the return, the weekly return of the Bearcats, according to Eli. So you'll notice the one thing missing from that is previewing the first game of the season, which I had originally had in mind. We're going to do that. That just wasn't going to fit. That wasn't going to work. So next week is still going to be a season kickoff special. I'll talk a little bit more about it at the very end, um, but we'll also be a couple of segments in there kind of previewing the game from both uh, from both areas. Coach Wright will be joining me next week on that episode. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, I'm going to talk to him once fall camp ends, once the, the, uh, scrimmage has happened and we'll kind of go over that and, and see kind of, you know, where he feels like I'll, I of course want to talk defensive line, but we'll talk about the whole team, the whole defense and offense and special teams and all of it. So I'm, I'm excited about that. And, and a little bit of a surprise to a surprise guest, um, Next week, and Eli and I, of course, will be doing our pickums starting next week as well. So, my goodness, <laughs> that was a lot of information I just threw at you in a really long intro to this podcast. So, I'm just going to go ahead and take a break. We're going to take a timeout. John Dykstra will be joining me first. We're going to talk a lot of Bearcat football, and that's going to be next here on Bleeding Green. Welcome in here on Bleeding Green, joined now by the sports editor at the Maryville Forum, John Dykstra, who's a good friend of the podcast. And John, man, as always, I appreciate you. And man, I'm just excited. We have some some current Bearcat football to talk about. Yeah, it's always a, always a fun time of year, that's for sure. So excited to dive into it. Well, so here's kind of what I want to do. I mean, we know this, but just so... Uh, everyone listening knows this. Want to want to kind of talk and and uh, talk about the Bearcats and kind of go over kind of our feelings and who we think might be some of the guys to contribute in the you know the different position groups. You've done a great job, by the way, on the forum. Uh, you know, kind of previewing all the different um, 
you know, line or position groups, which I don't want to just regurgitate what you've already done. And so I, I tried to go through and make some of my own notes, but I did definitely use that as a reference. And it's always great with some of those interviews and stuff like that that you get to do. We'll do that and then we'll take a break and then come back and, and, uh, do talk about the MIAA because, um, of anybody, I mean, you, you do a heck of a job with your previews and stuff, and I don't know that anybody else does a better job as, on the conference as a whole. So, um, anyway, so that's what we're going to do, and uh, um, if, if you're ready, we'll just jump right into it. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's start. We'll start at quarterback. Why not? Mikey Hohen, see the, the guy. You know, I think we heard, you know, Rich call him that at the spring game, if, uh, if not before. And uh, it seems like, you know, I talked to him in media day, said he feels as good and it's probably the first season he's had here that he's been healthy at the start of the season. And, uh, you know, I think we'll talk about this when we talk about the offensive line, but I think we kind of think, okay, you know, if, if Mikey can stay healthy, watch out. I mean, that's kind of my thoughts. Is that, is that where are you at on it? That's where I'm at too. Whenever he's been healthy, he's led the nation and, Passing efficiency a couple of years ago wasn't far off of it. Uh, last year, he's whenever he's been healthy, he's been awesome, and he's accomplishing that stat, those stats partially not healthy. So, if he stays healthy, he's he's as good as as you could want at the quarterback spot. But um, staying healthy has been the key, and and you'll probably talk about it later. But there's not it much experience depth behind him, which um, could be a concern. I've seen that concern raised amongst fans already, which is kind of ironic to me when fans hated the two quarterback system last year. So now depth is a concern, but um, they, I I think when Mikey's good to go, he's, he's what you want leading this offense. He's, he's experienced and, and can do a lot of different things, especially when he's healthy. I think that's the the untapped part of it is he's been a good runner when he's healthy. So if he if he can use his legs even more, then then that unlocks even more what this offense is capable of. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know if he can run, I think he could take you know that that alone can kind of take this offense from a good offense to maybe very good to maybe better than that. I mean, I just think about what was it two years ago at home against Nebraska Kearney and that route, you know, we weren't sure that, you know, the trail training wheels off for Mikey, he'd been battling injuries and boy, he answered all those questions with that big long run he had against Kearney. And I mean, just stuff like that, you know, we've never seen it through a whole season. So that, uh, that, that excites me. Yeah, it's certainly um, we'll we'll get into it when we talk about the whole teams, but quarterback is just so strong in the MIAA this season. So uh, Mikey could be a top ten quarterback in the country and still be fourth or fifth in the conference mm-hmm. if, if you were laying him out. So that's kind of the crazy thing about the MIAA this season. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Well, let's talk about the depth behind him because you know I think it was something when I had talked to to coach Wright around signing day that, well, maybe, you know, they were thinking about bringing in a transfer quarterback by the time spring football was over, they were super happy with the guys they had behind him. And for me, it's, it's, uh, you know, a couple of different guys, Chris Runke, kid from Platte County, 
that, uh, you know, a lot of hype. He's a guy that I'm high on. Like, you know, I'm excited about this season, but I'm also excited at the prospect of potentially him starting a couple of, you know, having a couple of years as a starter uh, after this season. But then also Henry Martin, a guy that, um, you know, some places had as a three-star recruit last year, which eh, there's a lot of different recruiting rankings, but really you don't see a lot of those guys at the D2 level. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I know there's other guys. Hayden Jay is a, is a guy that's redshirting this year. Jaden Nurschel's another guy who's been around for a while. But to me, it kind of looks like Runke and Martin for um, for that backup spot. And that's been said. Todd Stoney said that to me the, the first day of practice. I was down there, and I haven't talked to him about it since. But as of a couple weeks ago, he said that number two spot was between Runke and Martin. So... Um, the one who doesn't get it will be the number three. So those are your top three quarterbacks on the roster right now with, with Mikey. So, um, I, I'm with you. I think there's been a little bit of, I don't want to say change in tone really, but I think they've just gained more and more confidence in those guys. And they've, they've had confidence in them before, but I think they've, they've just kind of proven a little bit more. And I think they'll be comfortable, uh, utilizing them kind of as the season goes now would you like these first couple games maybe to have one that gets to 25 30 point differential so you can uh give monkey a rest and get these guys some reps that that might be that would be nice um we will see if the miaa allows that because i think it's fairly deep league this year but ideally um you are getting those guys some reps while Mikey is not hurt. So the a potential injury would not force your hand to give somebody the first reps that they've ever gotten. So we'll see if that can work out, but that would be an ideal situation. hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, you know, we know, you know, Mikey's had injuries. He hasn't started every game um, in any of the years that, that he's been with the Bearcats. And so, you know, yeah, you know, you, you, you'd like to have that depth that you feel good about. And yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that about the MIAA and depth. You know, we don't see those 70 to 14 losses that we or wins. I mean, you know, where the Bearcats are, you know, you're taking your starters out at halftime or after that first drive of the third quarter, um, you know. And so, you know, that does kind of hurt, you know, developing the depth with the team because the MIAA, you know, you can have. I know we'll talk about this later, but you know, you can have a four win team be a pretty doggone good team. And, and, uh, you know, maybe they'd be a contender in some of the weaker leagues in the country, but you know, they're having a hard time getting a winning record. So anyway, yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I'm hopeful that we'll have some of those games and get some of those guys reps, but at the same time, I think, you know, uh, probably our best chance for success is having Mikey take all the meaningful snaps all season long. Well, not to not to get too deep into it, but week four is the Lincoln game. You would like to hopefully maybe give one of those guys a substantial amount of playing time that game. The the schedule's kinda interesting with Emporia week two, that's that's gonna be a huge game. And uh and then we wait a while for the, the pit game, which is the other big circle on the calendar game. So Schedule is kind of interesting that way, but if you could uh, get some reps against Lincoln before UCM, UCO, Mo West, Pitt, all in a row there, Washburn too, 
um, that would be that would be good to at least kind of see what you got a little bit in the backup spot. Well, let's let's talk about running back. I mean, we you know you lose an all league player like Jamar Moya, who was kind of a do it everything guy. Um, you lose Robert Rowie, who before his injury looked like he was you know finally getting the opportunities that he'd been kind of biding his time and, and shown flashes of the player that he could be. Kevin Dominique transferred to seem like he, maybe he never really clicked, but again, he was a guy in the mix at some point last season. So you lose three guys, but you bring three guys back. Jaden Brady, who's now a captain, Jay Harris, who was, was impressive at times as a, as a true freshman led the team in rushing touchdowns and then tank young um, besides the other guys. Jaden Brady's a guy that you featured in, in your article. And it was really interesting. And it's interesting kind of following his career. Cause he wasn't the guy at Savannah, um, you know, he, he shared time in the backfield there and, um, you know, boy, it's, it seems like, you know, the step up in competition, he's really, the more he plays, the, the better he looks. Obviously we know he's a leader, right? His teammates voted him as a captain this season, but, uh, I'm, I'm and he can do so many things. I wondered, you know, he seems like a guy ready made to me anyway, to kind of step in that Jamar Moya role. Yeah. I remember last year, um, him him getting the scholarship and and that was mm-hmm. such a big deal um because he came as a walk on and kind of worked his way up um yeah you mentioned Jamar though and I, we both enjoy watching the uh, d2football.com Sunday show and they were unveiling their rankings and somebody mentioned uh that uh Northwest lost their bell cow in Jamal Moria and uh, no disrespect to Jamar at all, but I just don't really think about it that way. I know he was first team all MIAA running back, but man, that was a that was a timeshare last year with with Jamar being able to stay on the field and play multiple positions. But I feel like the running game really got a boost when Jay Harris got got involved. So now now you put a little bit more on Jaden's shoulders, I think to to take that Jamar role and maybe a little bit Tank Young in that way too. And and then hopefully you do have your bell cow maybe in Jay Harris that you can really lean on like some of those great Northwest teams in the past that had that bell cow running back to lean on. So that's a lot to even even mention the names that we could mention with, with those great ones of the past. But um but Jay Jay showed a lot last year and if he if he comes in um if he comes in ready to go he'll he'll be a really good player for them that being said uh I kind of expect when the depth chart comes out for the first time that uh Jaden Brady will probably be on top of it because they just trust him to do a whole lot of different things and uh I think he's an incredibly valuable player even if Jay Harris gets more carries. I think uh, Jaden Brady's going to see the field a lot. Yeah, well, and with his pass catching ability, two touches, you know, and same thing yeah. with Tank Young. You know, I think the, they're, uh, um, you know, they have s- some of the same skill sets. Of Jaden was a guy who returned kicks and had some success doing that last year. Um, you know, and, and can make some things happen in the open field. But Jay Harris, yeah, I mean, he's a guy, you talk about bell cow back. I mean, he certainly look looks the part. Have I'm really hopeful what can he do this fall? He had an off season, you know, he he came in last summer and then boom, you know, you're you know, it was a few games into the season, but then he kind of gets, you know, thrust in and he didn't look 
you know, he didn't look uh, out of place <laughs> in the MIAA, you know, that's for sure. Um, but, you know, just having an off season in the program, just kind of like when we get to receiver, some of the, some of the guys that, you know, came in last summer, you know, and you kind of, they kind of get thrust in right away, having that off season, being around the guys, you know, we, we talk so much about, you know, the, the Bearcat way and things like that. It, it's hard to implement that in, you know, just a few weeks of fall camp, um, as opposed to having a whole off season program and spring ball and, and, and fall ball. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I don't know any, I don't know that anybody's going to get 20 touches a game, you know, whatever way that goes. I just, um, and maybe I'm wrong. Hey, I I thought the same thing two years ago with Al McKellar and I was obviously, I was obviously wrong. And I think I underestimated just how good he was, but I thought, ah, you know, bell cow backs don't exist in, in football anymore. Boy, I was wrong. So, so who knows, you know, maybe one of these guys gets 20, 25 touches a game, but, um, you know, I think there's going to, you know, Hey, six guys played at different times last year. So there's going to be some opportunities. I feel like for some of these young guys to step up too. Yeah. I feel like, um, the areas where Jay might still have some work to do in the passing game and, and pass blocking and Mm -hmm. all that stuff is where, where those other guys excel. So I think that's what kind of leads it to be more of a committee. And obviously you don't want to be super predictable with, Hey, every time Jay's on the field, we'll hand it to him. If he's not, we're not handed off. So, so Jaden and, and Tank will get carries, uh, for sure. I just think I, I was really impressed with what Jay did towards the end of last year. And he was at his best at the end of the year in the playoff games. So, um, and the Emporia game. So I, I'm really high on what, what he can do moving forward, but I think they're just in a good spot with how that room looks right now. Well, and I want to mention uh, a couple other names too. I talked to Roberto Davis and, and he mentioned Eric Richardson, who they really like young guy, but also Jackson Miller. And he's a guy that I noticed last year in, I think it was the scrimmage, you know, playing, I didn't think he'd probably get to play last year, but option quarterback in high school. He's from DeSoto, Kansas, which I have some family there. So, so I, uh, you know, I kind of perk up my, oh, DeSoto kind of perk up my ears at that. But, um, and, and he was a guy that when I went up to practice a week ago, he looked pretty doggone good. He was catching passes. He was kind of doing a little bit of everything. And so, you know, I don't know, does he break into that top three? Probably not, but you know, he's definitely a guy kind of looking forward and, and, you know, I, I think I feel like there's some pretty good depth. You know, it's it's just how are you going to find touches? You know, and we're going to talk about this next with receivers. Like, how do you find touches for all these guys? Yeah, uh, depth is never a bad thing. We emphasize that with quarterbacks there, running backs take even more of a pounding, obviously. So it's it's never a bad thing to have some options there. Um, I'm with you. I've heard a lot of good things, especially about Richardson. So. Uh, they, they've got some options and some guys they're excited about moving forward. Well, let's talk about receivers. Top six guys coming back. We're, it's the exact opposite of what we were talking about this time last year. Um, you know, and I mean, you, you had your, I, I love your state of the MIAA kind of rankings with all the different positions. That was pretty fun. Um, and we encourage people to go to maryvilleforum.com and, and check those out. And you can do a few for free, but I would encourage everybody to do what I do and get the get the subscriptions, at least online, If especially if you're not in the area. If you're in Maryville, go pick up the paper. But um, anyway, Kashawn Griffin, 
at the top of that, I mean, I think he's a guy, you know, you were going to talk about him, Trayvon Alexander, Keegan Sturdy look like probably the three, but like last year, you know, there's a lot of guys kind of like running back. There's a bunch of guys that are going to, going to get in there, but let's kind of start with those three guys. Cause Sean Griffin's a guy, I mean, to me, he can be one of the best players in the country. I truly believe he has that much talent. I mean, he, he was electrifying at times last year. My question is, can he be more consistent? And I'm really hopeful that he can, because again, him like Shelton, another guy we'll talk about, came in in the summer. You know, now they've had a full off season in the program, not just to get acclimated to the Bearcat way, but also to work on their timing with Mikey and, you know, just get those reps in. And so, you know, him and his receivers can be on the same page. Um, and, and uh, I mean, but to me, Griffin, I mean, he's just one of those electric talents that, I don't know, I don't feel like we he doesn't come around every day. Yeah. Uh, when I started doing those uh, top 10 rankings of receivers, I did not think I would end up with Sean at number one. Um, I just I just didn't think of him that way. I, I think of him as a guy who kind of came on as the year went last year and dealt with injuries. But despite all that, his numbers are right up there with anybody returning in the conference. And it's like, man, if he can stay healthy, has Mikey back to get him the ball, has has other weapons back around him, like the sky is the limit for that kid. He is so explosive. And just the gravity he creates too, because people people as the year went last year, uh, they figured out a little bit about him and they, they figured out that they need to really pay attention to him. Um, so the gravity he creates for other people, um, I just think that, that those playoff games last year, he and he and Trayvon were both two of the best players on the field in, in those games, um, just making acrobatic catches and, and finding ways to get open. So with Mike back at quarterback and with those two guys leading the receiving core, I really, I really feel good about that group. And then you mentioned Sturdy back to that, that prototypical slot guy finds a way to get open. Um, but then Shelton too, I feel like it's really a big four for them. And that was something that was kind of emphasized to me when I, when I was talking to Zach Martin is they, they really feel like they have four guys that, that can really play multiple positions and really make an impact. So again, we've talked with it, the every position, but depth is so huge for that group. Well, and I think Rashad too, I think he, you know, kind of made himself one of those three guys. Like it was hard to, by the end of the last season and he, you know, the numbers didn't maybe necessarily, um, you know, show that but you know i think it shows a comfortability with the offense what they're trying to do is who's who's seeing the field a lot you know peyton carter's a guy peyton carter who, who mm-hmm. got a lot of playing time last year he seemed to kind of get better um as the season went on and he's kind of a big physical receiver jamar simpson's another you know guy who didn't get really hardly any touches but you know he saw the field at times a burner, just an absolute speed demon that I'm, you know, kind of interested to see, okay, you know, what's going to go. But to me, Griffin and Shelton are the two with no disrespect to Trayvon Alexander, who I think is fabulous. I love his story. I, when you did that article on him, I think it was last year in your, in your position previews, just kind of his, 
journey and everything. And he he's a guy I'm chasing. He'll he'll be, he'll be on Bleeding Green at some point this season. I was kind of chasing <laughs> him last year, wasn't able to get him on, but we'll make it happen this year. But just such a great story. I mean, it's it's hard not to like that kid. He he's probably the one guy that we have that you can just kind of throw it up if you want to throw up a 50-50 ball. My money's on Trayvon to come down with it. I mean, that's a big part of the way football is played a lot of times now. Um, but that's he—he he just gives us something different. But um, Griffin yeah. and Shelton, I, I mean, I'm excited to see what those two guys can do with an with a whole off season in. And Sturdy, you know, I know he's short and he's white, so there's going to be some comparisons to Alec Tatum, but he. He has some wiggle, man. He's got some moves, and yeah. he can do some things with the ball in his hands. I don't think we've seen the best of Keegan Sturdy, and uh, and that. I mean, there's just again, there's all these guys. You know how are we? How are you going to get him the ball? But I would, you know, say how are teams going to defend that? Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's I'm uh, going back to your Trayvon point, and uh, I think it's kind of easier to overlook him maybe if you're just looking at speed and kind of that separation, but he, he really complements the rest of that core really great. Um, and you, like I said, saw it late in the season last year where a couple of those, Mike, he was just able to throw up the fade to him and he, he was going to box people out and get the ball. Like that's, that's very valuable for this group uh, in those games where, Yards are tough to come by. Maybe maybe some of them, they just can't stick with KG, and and it's wide open KG all day, and you don't have to kind of risk throwing a fade in there. But in the big games, in the big moments, you're going to want that guy who can come down with the contested catch. And uh, I think Trevor's kind of proven that. And, yeah, they just got a lot of, a lot of weapons on the outside uh, to spread the field if they want to. We talked about running backs. A couple of those guys can play the slot too. Like they can really spread teams out if they want to this year, and then maybe have a hammer like Jay Harris in the in the middle against a spread out team. So there's a lot of options for uh, for the offense and, and Coach Sturdy this year to uh, really really let his offense shine. Two names I want to mention real fast. We, we, we end up spending this much time on every position. We'll uh, we'll really get off in the weeds here, John. But um, <laughs> is uh, is Luke Matthews who who impressed me in the fall scrimmage last year? Didn't really play. I don't uh, know that he, he had a catch or anything. But I mean, he's a guy too. He he's like six feet tall. I think he's from Liberty North, and he doesn't look physically assuming but he's a guy i mean i i don't know that he'll figure in this year i don't know how you you break into that you know top four top six however you want to look at it but uh he's a guy that i look at kind of for the future of uh somebody that can be good and then uh john uh, i'm sure i'll say this wrong gia giari i think he was a juco guy last year i think he was hurt and so he redshirted and i had heard some people say that they thought he might be the best juco transfer now, am I saying he's better than Kashawn Griffin or Rashad Shelton? I'm not, but I mean there was some buzz around the guy, so um, you know who knows that that'll that'll be interesting. So anyway, I want to move on to tight end, but I wanted to to mention those guys' names because um, you know this spring game. It's kind of fun to mention names we might not think about for a year down the road, but I'm always I'm always looking to the future. All right, let's talk about tight end. It kind of uh, you know starts with Noah Han as the guy. You know, they return one catch 
and that that was him last year at at the tight end position. Um, Dewey Ryan Dewhurst and and uh, you know Cole Hembro, who I still think, man, we didn't get to see maybe the best of Cole Hembro. I thought he could be a pretty special a pretty special player. Um, you know, but Noah Hand, big dude. Um, when I saw him last year, I think when I went up to practice him last year, I'm like, is that is that offensive tackle wearing number eighty? And it, it was him, <laughs> and he. I think he's dropped a little bit of weight, but he's a big dude. We know Coach Coach Sturdy likes likes uh, you know his tight ends to be able to block, do different things, split them out wide, what, whatever he can do. There's some JUCO guys coming in, some some young guys, but I mean, I think and we run a lot of you know two tight ends, and and it's not always the same two tight end you know sets at least in the past. So I have a feel like you know that's to me probably the biggest question mark on the team and it's probably not in something that anybody would focus on. And I don't think it's a negative. I just say, I, I don't know. Um, you know, we just haven't seen what these guys have yet. Yeah. Um, I think with all the playmakers you have back around it, I don't really even consider it a question mark. Cause I think Noah Hahn is going to be very good at his role. And that is he, I mean, he was open with it when I, when I talked to him for those uh, series, but, he knows he's not the fastest guy, but he knows he's about the biggest guy at tight end at least out there. So get to the middle of the field, give Mikey a big target, box some people out, and uh, and catch the ball. And uh, in the passing game, that's going to be his role. And and in the blocking game, he's he's big and can create some movement, which is I know something that they've talked about in the past that they really value out of their tight ends. Um, so I think they could be a, a possible upgrade in the run game with with this new group in here so uh i think that's that's something they're they're pretty excited about and and frankly i'm i think can be a good fit with how with how this receiving core is is built i think last year it was more important to have cole hembro and a guy that can catch the ball there and with with the younger receiving core but now i think the veterans are ready to to work on the outside. And I think you've got those tight ends that can both walk and catch. I think that's the the more valuable thing right now for them. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's probably going to be opportunities, right? With all those great receivers we talked about, yeah. they can't cover everybody. And so, uh, Han, you know, there's, there's a couple of Juco guys in that you mentioned in your article, Chaz Carlgren and, and Tice Hoover, both kind of big guys. You mentioned a young guy, Andrew Waltke, um, I like a couple other young guys, uh, Corbin Bevan, who I always feel like I'm going to mess up his name and call him, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, Tom Pestock's wrestling. Yeah. Name. That's always messing me up, but he's, oh. you know, kind of a local kid, Carney. Um, and, uh, and Gannon Gregard, he's a guy, I haven't really heard anybody mention his name much, but he's kind of a athletic guy. He got in, Maybe it was a Northeastern State game last year at home, and uh, and had I think a big big the catch wasn't made, but it was a, anyway. It looked like they were okay. We'll see what this this young guy can do. But there's some there's some big physical guys, and uh, and yeah, maybe that's a good thing. There's not a lot of pressure necessarily for them to be number one option on anything. Hey, block, you know, go find find a hole in the zone, sit in the defense on third down, and. And we'll see what these guys can do. Yeah, they they don't need Travis Kelsey uh, to to run their offense through with the tight ends. They can have 
very good seasons, just kind of playing their role and letting everybody kind of shine and take the headlines a little bit around them. So I think that's that's kind of the the old school tight end, and now we've we've kind of gotten into the age where we think everybody needs to be Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller out there, but they these it's a little throwback position I think in uh, for Coach Sturdy this year and and just having the guy that can be the chess piece and uh, and block and, and catch, but maybe not be the big play guy. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how that changes the offense as a whole and, and what they can do with these guys. Well, it's all going to start up front, and let's talk about offensive line. You know, we thought we were going to have all five starters back and Mitch Goff, um, you know, life comes calling. And, and uh, so, you know, you still got four or five starters back on the O-line. Your article was fabulous about Coach Wright challenging those guys in the offseason, and he said it at media day. That's one of the groups that he was most proud of going into fall camp with the amount of work and things that that they put in. Um, it, you know, Andrew Theobald getting him back, you know, for an, for an extra year of eligibility, I think was big, um, not just physically because he's a big guy, but, uh, you know, just, you know, having having your tackles back, him, Derek Wire, um, Ewan Mills, who he can, you know, he can play any of those probably three inside positions is, is playing center. They really like him. Um, and then the guards looks like Wes Merriman's probably going to be one of them. And then, you know, maybe his little brother Harrison or Jake Winslow figures into that other guard spot. A lot of guys played last year. You know, they, they brought in some Juco guys because, you know, they had some attrition of some guys who had figured, you know, weren't starters last year, but had played some transfer out of the program. That's, you know, that's what happens now with, with the portal. It is what it is, but uh, it seems like, I don't know, like in any time I've been talking to the coaches and things, I haven't heard anything but good things about the O-line. I think it's an attitude shift and, and Theobald was the first one that brought it up to me, the, the Coach Wright heart-to-heart um, meeting they've had, and I still haven't had the chance to ask Coach Wright actually about that. Um, but then you and Mills brought it up too about just just kind of what that was like, having him didn't tell them that as their group is going to determine what the offense and what the team can do this year. And, um, it's hard to argue with that. You, you got to keep Mikey upright, and uh, you got a big back like Jay Harris. You'd like to think you can run some power and and really lean on teams with that. So um, that's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, you're right. The tackles having them back. I always think pass protection kind of starts with them and and keeping keeping guys away from getting around to Mikey, and uh, and then. Having Mitch leave really hurts, or having Mitch retire really hurts um, the communication aspect. But I think it's a tremendous advantage for them that they had Ewan Mills, who is a center, but got a whole year playing at guard where he doesn't have to make all the calls and all that stuff. Um, Now he's got playing experience, and he moves to his natural spot at center. And he's hopefully ready to have that leadership position on the line that comes with, with being the center of it and kind of the communication center. So, uh, yeah. And Theobald talked about how, uh, how Merriman plays next to him is, 
is one of the smartest players he's ever played with. So having that all, having those veterans, having that wisdom, I, I, I'm hopeful that this is going to be a big step forward for the offensive line um, from last year when they, when they didn't have anybody or none of the returners were on any all-conference teams or anything like that. So hopefully this year it's a step forward for them and uh, maybe that gets reflected in the end of season accolades too. Yeah. Well, he's talking about Mills, you know, he's, he played next to Mitch, you know, for a whole season. So, yeah. you know, that, that had to only be a good thing as far as, uh, you know, helping all of that out. And I don't know, you know, like I said, there's, there's been some transfers brought in. haven't heard a lot about them, honestly. Um, you know, there's some guys that have been around for a while at Braden or Braden white, <laughs> not Braden, Wright, But yeah. Braden white, uh, Ethan Eilers, who's who had, I think transferred in last year, his dad, Bearcat offensive lineman, uh, Sam Bouts, Gabe's little brother, Luke Zagunas, Seth's little brother, which, man, Seth Zagunas, I think, you know, was could have had a really good year last year, unfortunately, had had that injury and and uh, and, and graduated. But um, here's a guy, and I don't know anything about this young man, haven't had a chance to, to say anything to the coaches about him. He's a transfer. I looked him up, number 79, because I came away when I came to practice, I wrote down, who is 79? This dude is a monster. He's massive. Rolando Jimenez transfer in a yeah. uh, six five three fifteen. I have no idea. He wasn't running with the ones or anything. I just saw him standing off to the side and thought, that is a massive man. And so uh, anyway, give give him a little bit of love. But yeah, I mean, it's going to start. How how good this offense can be is how good can this offensive line be? You got to keep Mikey upright. If we're going to have Mikey take all the meaningful snaps, he's got it, you know, and him to stay healthy. It's going to start with that O line taking pressure off him, being able to run the football, and all the things that we want to do. Um, I uh, I think the all the building blocks and everything are there. I think they're primed, and there there seems to be a lot of confidence, and uh, you know, but that's where you know that's where the money's the money's made so to speak you know that's uh offensive line is going to probably be the key part of this whole offense and you and Ned kind of mentioned too that another advantage he has is that he has Mitch who is more than willing to to kind of help him out and uh if he if he has a question he knows first of all he can talk to coach Cunningham the the position coach but he's like it's almost like another coach having having Mitch Goff be able to uh, to call him up whenever whenever he needs to and just kind of talk things out. So that kind of stood out to me too. With even though even though Mitch isn't playing this year, that he might still end up playing a kind of important role on that that offensive line if he helps you uh, and get used to the new position. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about defense. That's what everybody's always excited to uh, to talk about. We'll start D-line, you know, Coach Wright's specialty, kind of the position that we all, I think, take for granted and just think, ah, they're going to be great. They're going to be good. And uh, I don't have any reason to feel any differently. You know, Jake Fisher's a guy, you know, it starts with him, right? Captain, um, what, eight sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss. He was third in the conference in sacks last year, but – you know, basically didn't get mentioned because he's playing behind Elijah Green in my double A defensive player of the year and all American Zach Howard. Um, and so, you know, he's a guy, I think one, he's, he's a big boy, six, five, two sixty. 
I mean, that's, um, you know, I, I'm, you know, look at him and think, boy, you know, the defensive line, I, th- I think he can, has an opportunity to really step up and, uh, you're not going to replace the guys that, you know, the Bearcats have lost in the last couple of seasons, but they don't have to, nobody has to be Sam Roberts. Nobody has to be Zach Howard or Elijah green. You know, we didn't expect, I didn't, I don't think anybody expected the season Elijah had last year. Um, you know, who's, who's that guy this year? Is it a Jake Fisher? Is it one of these other young guys? I, I, uh, I think the D line, there's definitely a lot of potential there for coach Wright to work with. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of guys, Kobe Claiborne, uh, Niles Truitt, uh, uh, just a whole bunch of guys. Keaton Ricky, um, um, is a guy that that's kind of gotten more and more playing time as, as his career has gone here, obviously. Um, yeah, there's a lot of really good players in that group. Local guy, uh, Drake Kinsella, who was injured last year, couldn't play. He rejoins the group. Um, they've just got a lot of options up there. And I, you're never going to – it's a bold prediction. In the life of this podcast, as long as Rich Wright is the defensive line coach, you're never going to open up one of these segments saying, well, I'm pretty worried about the D line this year. <laughs> yeah. They could exactly. lose their top eight and you'd still be like, ah, Mitch will figure it out. He'll have some guys. So, uh-huh. so yeah, they've, they've lost some tremendous talent the last few years, but it's, it's that ultimate next guy up, I think. And I think, I think Jake Fisher is that next guy this year. Um, I'm, I'm expecting a huge year out of him. Um, yeah, he, he just was uber productive last year. And now it'll be a different thing because he'll be facing more double teams than he was in the past. But with guys like Nile and Keaton that they're really high on too, um, and Kobe Claiborne on the other side who who other teams are going to be, be confused because they see that little short D end out there and, and think Elijah's back. But um, – <laughs> They've got they've got a lot of talent on that group and and I am I am not worried about the defensive line. We'll put it that way. Well, Kobe Claiborne it changed his number to number zero, and so you know <laughs> I think I said this to Elijah last year. Man, you gonna your D lineman is a single digit. You better you better back it up on the field. And boy, Elijah certainly did. And, and Kobe's one of those guys. Like I think they list him at six feet. I think that's pretty generous. But he is so good. You know, I think he lulls people into, oh, this, you know, short guy, kind of in a false sense of security, so to speak. But, um, you know, he fought his way in. Seems like he started several, you know, he started several of the games last year as, as a redshirt freshman. Um, Keaton Ricky's a guy who, boy, he just looks the part. 6'5", 280. Mm-hmm. Um, man, he he is really impressive. And, and the interesting thing, too, is he's a another one of those guys on the D line, you know, I think last year you could kind of switch guys around really last couple of years, you know, guys could play inside, could play outside depending on the situation. And I think he's a guy that could play any, anywhere along that D line. You mentioned Niles Shewitt. He's a guy that I first really became aware of last year at media day. I was talking to Zach Howard and he mentioned him. He said, listen, he's probably not going to play this year. And I don't even know about next year. He's like, but this kid is going to be great. And so, again, it doesn't look like he's in that starting spot, but guys are going to rotate in. We know how Rich likes to do things. And as long as the depth's there, guys are going to rotate in, get playing time, get get a breather, get, um, you know, get plays off. Um, I'm really interested to see what he can do. 
Clayton Power. Just has a great name. D-lineman named Power. I mean, come on. How can you not love that? Grant Cooney's another guy who got a little bit of playing time at, at DN last year. And then kind of the guy that everybody saw week to week on the on the scout team last year was Travion Trailer, a guy who's a redshirt freshman. How much does he figure in? I don't know. But boy, you, you know, you're feeling pretty good about the depth. Gavin Bell, who's, uh, you know, a lot of people know his dad, Wes, and uh, kind of came in with a little bit of fanfare a year ago, um, you know, as somebody who could be really, really good in the future. So, boy, you know, you, you give Rich this kind of depth, and and that's, you know, that's the thing that I think I like to see. Yeah, sometimes it's great to have the good players that you don't want to take off the field, but when you have guys that you can rotate in and wear down those offensive lines, that makes me feel extra good. Yeah, uh, just a lot of kind of blue collar, get the job done, defensive linemen there that are are versatile, which is what Rich loves. Whenever anybody mentions Clayton Power, I just think of if you need it, if you need your uh, lawn mowed or anything <laughs> done around Maryville, Clayton's Clayton's always advertising him and him and Cooper Lowe. They've got a pretty pretty good one two punch in the the lawn care game in Maryville here. So, uh, yeah, but that's kind of, that's kind of like it. It's a, it's a blue collar, uh, work ethic there, whether you're mowing lawns or, or mowing down MIAA quarterbacks. So one, one way or another, uh, those guys get the job done. When, when he has a, when he has a big game, you got a great headline ready to roll there. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Well, let's talk about linebacker. I mean, you know, Isaac Volstead's the cornerstone of this defense. The coaches have said it. Um, You know, I I think it's incredible for him to come in as Jacob's little brother. Nobody's calling him that. You know, he's an All-American in his own right. You know, he is he's the leader of of this defense and one of the leaders of the the team. Um, And, you know, we knew the hype, we knew all of this stuff, and he still delivers with a great season. And last year, and boy, you throw in, you know, breakout star Andrew Dumas last year, and he's back, he's a captain. And I thought he looked great in the spring, like physically, he looked like he, you know, put on some pounds and things, and he looked like a million bucks. And, uh, you know, we know, we know what he can do. A lot of youth after that. It looks like maybe Bryce Crone is going to be that, that, third linebacker spot at least that's what uh you know coach Bostwick kind of indicated that he's in the in that lead spot for now but there's a lot of young guys you know boy you could you could mention them all I mean Ben Inus Jacob Forslund Carter Olson uh, Parker Bowen I mean there's some others I'm gonna leave some off um Cody Simonsic is a was a name right his brother's quarterback at Washburn but maybe he doesn't figure in as just a redshirt freshman but down the road you know there's definitely some great depth there and that's another position I guess we just don't we just don't worry about too much is is linebacker not not when you have the star power at the top that they have going into this year and and Isaac and Jake both that are very different players mm-hmm. uh, they play differently um I'm sure Isaac is, and I've joked with him before, sick of getting that question about his big brother. But um, he is—he is a tremendous football player in his own right, and and just the speed he gives to that second level is huge. Uh, he doesn't have that that size Jake has. Jake will remind you anytime you see him. Uh, he was he was coaching the Spook Hounds at the Jamboree at Bearcat Stadium Friday, and 
and doing it in a cutoff t-shirt. Just, just me and Matt Trenton would give him some, some crap about having to remind people how, how big he truly is. But, um, he's, uh, Isaac brings a different thing to it with his speed and ability to cover. And then, then Dumas, I mean, Isaac is plenty physical too, but Dumas really brings that physicality to it. And they're, they're kind of that perfect punch. Uh, they're miss, they're miss Sam Phillips. You were talking about the number zero earlier, uh, between McKellar and Phillips. And so now Kobe's got some pretty good example and choose to fill with that. But, um, yeah, I, I, their group is really good. And when you've got those first two, uh, it gives you a lot of options with the, with the rest of that group and kind of rotating them in and, and, uh, letting them make plays. Yeah. And a couple of great guys to learn from, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and, uh, they'll be ready, but, you know, just kind of help you along and, and that stuff. Well, let's talk about defensive back. I mean, you know, as we went through all these, there's so many guys that, um, you know, so many position groups, I should say, that have guys that have played meaningful games and the back end is, you know, we were going into last year thinking, okay, you know, we've got Khalil Smith. We know what we've got in him. And he, I think just got better. Um, you know, he's two time all American and he's only played two seasons. Like that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. But, you know, Shane Fredericks made the play of the season for sure. Yeah. Against Emporia. Yeah. Save the season. Right. Like, yeah. Save the, the playoff run. And, and, uh, yeah, with that, with that great tipped to himself, falling back, uh, interception, Shane Fredrickson, a guy I think really shined as a redshirt freshman last year. You had Rhett Jordan step in and listen, all, all the, you know, there's so many young guys, they made mistakes and you know, it was some, you know, you, you, you learn, you go through that, but boy, you feel really good when it comes to the, the second year of having these guys and Andrew Bradley, who looked really, really good playing corner against anybody he lined up with in the practice that I went to. Um, Charles Gady's a guy, Gaddy's a guy, um, you know, have probably the most impressive Bearcat half of football as far as a debut in a Bearcat uniform last season with his, what, five tackles and two forced fumbles against Hayes and then hurt his knee. Um, you know, the thing is with so many of these guys, Josh Turner is another one, Trayon Jones, like guys that can play multiple positions. They can play safety. They can play nickel. They can play corner. Um, is, uh, and I haven't even mentioned any of the transfers that we brought in. Austin McKinney, who they like. Uh, Gianni Angulo, who, who they really, really like. A, a senior, kind of a late ad um, right before fall camp. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel for – and listen, I'll be honest, like for the first time in, <laughs> in a couple of years, like I feel pretty good about this secondary. The, the same way we talk about uh... – Mike Cohency being the guy at quarterback, I think at cornerback, the guy is Khalil Smith. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, Rich loves the way that kid plays football, and he came in as kind of a not super talented guy, and then as soon as he got on the field, he was all American, honorable mention, all American uh, that first freshman year. And, I mean, it's kind of kind of crazy to think about having him still for a while here and and being able to utilize him, of course. At the end of last season, we thought it'd be that one-two punch back with Trayvon Pete, and then same way life happened for Mitch Goff, life happened for for Trayvon, and he got a, a job opportunity that he couldn't pass up, and and now you've got that opening where you would have had 
the whole secondary back, which would have been which have been pretty exciting. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I've been impressed by Andrew Bradley. Um, he he looks like a corner. He he's got that he's got that length. He's got that speed. He's got everything you want in that. So I'm pretty high on his future. And then the the guys who can do a lot of different things are going to be super useful. Charles Gady, um, he was the the subject of my safety story this year and got it's hard to find a more likable guy than him. He's he's just a really good kid. And uh and then Austin McKenney is a guy that talked about and we're really excited about his JUCO and and then you got Rhett and Shane who are just steady and reliable back there and I know they took their their lumps sometimes last year and and Coach Gady or Coach Gady, uh, Charles Gady and Coach Clayton uh, both talked about how they they knew that they they had some rough patches last year at safety, but both those kids have have really stepped it up. So I think they're especially with their safety depth, very excited about that. But with the versatility, excited about their their DB room as a whole. And uh, and when you're able to put Khalil kind of on one side, it, it opens up a lot of possibilities for the rest of it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and when I said felt good about it, I'm, I want to clarify that. As soon as I said, I thought, oh, no, somebody could take that the wrong way. As far as going into a season and the comfortability with, uh, you know, with the secondary, I think the secondary turned out great in 2021 with uh, – you know, Isaiah Nimmers and, and Dedrick Strambler, some of the guys they brought in um, mm-hmm. and stepping up. Anyway, I just wanted to clarify that, you know, some, I, you know, I'm always, everybody should just assume that I'm always being positive because I am anyway. All right. I'll, You're not talk, here to offend anyone. 100%. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk special teams. Ooh. Okay. I have a, uh, a, let's talk about kicking first and I'm going to bring up the, the MIAA conference stats from last year. Do you know what team had the best field goal percentage in the MIAA last year? Um, I don't think it was Northwest because I think Northwest is second. Um, but it I'm going to go with Northwest because I'm blanking on who the first one was. It was 16 of 19, 84.2%. And, mm-hmm. um, Cole Lamel had an amazing bounce back year. Got, you know, there there was, you know, certainly had struggled through that freshman season. Showed me a lot. Had the game winning kick against Washburn. Now, now they've said something positive. Do you know what team had the worst uh, PAT percentage in the MIAA? I'll, I'll give you a hint. It was, I'll let you. I'll let you say it. <laughs> it was Northwest. <laughs> so six misses and forty-four tries. Now, um, you know they they brought in a uh, you know a specialty coach because Brandon Clayton's still the special teams coach and coordinator. But and it seems like you know there's there's been you know they still have the three kickers. Noah Gastel is a guy who may who may end up maybe doing some kickoffs or he's a guy I think that they have a lot of faith in, but, but Cole Lamel, um, to me, was one of the great stories of last season. I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just stats are just, I'm just reading the stats here. I think there's definitely room for improvement on the extra points. We remember what that was like kind of in, in 2021, but, um, you know, getting the consistency and things and, and it, it seems like, 
you know, the new coach is helping the, those guys, you know, kind of push themselves. But um, just talking about kicker, I would not have thought that about field goals. Um, you know, I knew Cole was perfect nope. up until some point. I know after the Washburn game, he, he was still perfect on the season. But, um, you know, that boy, that was a real pain point in 2021. And, and uh, you know, I think that that w- it was really nice to see. That was that was a good, happy thing that made me happy for Cole and, of course, for the Bearcats, <laughs> you know, to make make those kicks. But um, kind of I have, you know, I feel a lot more positive about the, you know, the the kicker spot even though the guy hasn't changed from this year than i was a year ago yeah i think for any of us to, it's it's hard for any of us to really criticize cole too much i mean we have to if we have to but um that kid's just such a good kid he anybody who's been kid. around him mm-hmm. can attest to that um he is he is the kind of kid you you like to be around and you like having him on the team. He struggled two years ago. I'll be honest. I didn't think he would have the job last year when the year began. And then he did have it. And then he, he flourished with it with, with the field goals, like you said. So um, getting them more consistent on the extra point, um, having a consistent holder now, which I know we're going to get into that, but um, not, not that there was anything wrong with Mikey holding, but they can get more reps in that area. I think it's going to be valuable. And having a, a kicking coach. Um, special teams is a lot more than just the the punter and the kicker. Um, so that's why it's, it's huge what Brandon Clayton does with the rest of them. But also the kicker and the punter are the ones who solely focus on special teams. And it's uh, it's important to have have them now have a coach um, all practice to work with them and, and to give them advice on that. So uh, I think they're in a good spot with special teams moving forward. And uh, and having the long snapper back too, just having that full, um, you got to give Will a shout out on here because uh, you just have that whole unit back and ready to go. So uh, I think I think nothing but good things in terms of the uh, the special teams. Now I'm sure you want to talk about the newcomer. I do. I do want to talk about Will for a second. Of course, I, I got to give okay. love to the Baronson family because uh, his mom, Amy, who's the kind of the head of the Bearcat Mamas for this uh, for this fall, also the, the uh, I'll just go ahead and make it official, was unofficial president of the uh, Eli Daniel fan club. We'll go ahead and we'll go ahead and stamp that and make that official now. She but um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, long snappers, not one of those when I met. Um, his parents and, uh, they said, Hey, we're Will's parents and we hope you never know our son's name because, you know, kind of thing is if you know the long snapper's name, that's usually a bad thing. That means they're making mistakes. And, you know, there were definitely issues with that in 2021. There weren't any last year, um, that I can think of. Maybe there was, was one or two things here, but I don't remember really anyone talking about it at all during the season. That kid was a freshman. And so being able to have him for, um, for multiple more seasons and he's just going to get better at what he does is, uh, is great. And so I had, had to give him some love and give, give that family some love, but yeah, let's talk about Joseph wires. He was the guy that you, um, you know, spotlighted in your, uh, in your special teams breakdown with the kickers and punters and things. And, and uh, yeah, he's, he's a guy 
It looks like at this point, I was talking, I actually talked to Coach Clayton today that Mikey's probably the punter. Um, and, and I know they like to, you know, they can do some more things, whether, you know, whether, yeah, okay, he is, he is in the hold or he's in the kick, you know, you can throw some different looks at the defenses, but the wires kid, man, has a heck of a leg. Now he doesn't boot it like that every single time, at least the practice I was at, uh, it's a small sample size, but my goodness, um, <laughs> that kid's got a monster leg. Yeah, I think you've talked to him more recently than I have. So that was some some inside Matt Daniel scoopage there. So uh, I'll I'll let you uh, you take that. But I I just think having a guy that can hold to and and have that can work on the side with Cole and the other kickers, I think that's valuable during practice. So so Mikey doesn't have to always worry about all that and, and have his time divided between quarterbacking and whatever it is out with the special team. So whatever his role ends up being. So uh, I think it's a valuable addition, even though if it doesn't quite go the way everybody had it penciled in when we, when we started this. Yeah. Well, and I think too, you know, you, I'm glad you mentioned that about practice time because, you know, you can have those guys off to the side, basically working on that stuff all practice and not have to worry about, Oh, when, when's the offense have a break with Mikey or whatever, whether, you know, Mikey ends up being, being the guy or not. Um, he doesn't have to be. And I think that's, that's probably, I like that. You know, I, I, uh, you know, when we're talking about leg injuries and things like, that, I don't know that that's going to happen when you're punting, but Hey, you know, that's, um, you know, we have another option and I really liked your interview with him. Seems like he's a really great kid. He's happy to be at Northwest. And, uh, there was something along the lines he said of, um, you know, had a bunch of punts blocked last year at, at was at Livingstone, I think, and talked about, you know, the Northwest yeah. values special teams enough where we try to protect the punter. Um, and that's not a shot at Livingstone. That's just kind of the difference maybe between how, how it's approached at different places. And I thought that was, you know. It's nice to hear good things. I thought that was a nice compliment for the Bearcat he, special teams overall. He took a couple shots at Livingstone in, <laughs> in our interview. Um, it's, it's it's different. D two football is different in different parts of the country, and it's uh, he he was impressed with how seriously it's taken up here, which I think most people most people are when they. Uh, when they visit super region three as a whole, which we could have a whole conversation about that, but different regions are a little tougher than others. We'll put it that way. Well, and you got one of the best kick returners in the country in Kashawn Griffin. Um, you know, you have experience in kickoff returns with Jaden Brady, with, uh, uh, Andrew Bradley, if, if they so decide to put those guys back there as well to give, you know, all three of, you know, those, the, not just, KG, but those other two guys have had big returns and big games as well and spent some time back there. So, um, and I'm sure there are other guys, maybe there's some other, some other young guys and things that, that we'll see, uh, figure, figure into that. But, um, and, and, you know, when you have, we haven't had a dangerous return threat like Kashawn Griffin punt return wise in a while. And I think it kind of, in, 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 Coach Clayton talked about this when I talked to him. It kind of changes the focus of, hey, you know, maybe we set up for returns a little bit more and as opposed to blocking kicks and just kind of save those for certain situations. And, uh, 
Yeah. I mean, you know, when you got a guy who can flip field position, who can take one to the house, that's that's definitely an, another weapon in the in the back pocket of Coach Wright. Yeah. Um those returners are a fun group. Um I'll be I'll be interested if they use KG all the time in return situations. Like you said, it's it's a deep group. Um but kind of like the Chiefs when Tyreek Hill was young and just getting into it. It's like when there's a big one, you need to put that guy back there because he has the opportunity to uh to swing a game with for sure with uh with his his speed. All right. Well, I think we've talked that to death, John. So let's uh, let's take a time out. We'll take a break. And if if you're still down to come back and talk, the uh, the rest of the MIAA, uh, we'll we'll take a break and do that next. How's that sound? We we can do that. All right, perfect. We'll take a quick time out. Right back with more bleeding green after this. <laughs> Bearcat Nation, this is Jake Soy. Hope you're looking forward to hearing this bleeding green with Matt Daniels. It's going to be a great one. And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green. Back with John Dykstra of the Maryville Forum, sports editor up there, and uh, just recently released um, all of his uh, kind of previews for each MIAA team. So that's where I want to go through. So, John, you ready to uh, – we, we talked about the Bearcats already. You ready to talk about the rest of the MIAA? If people aren't got, or aren't sick of hearing me talk, then uh, <laughs> let's do this some more. <laughs> well, I never am, and, hey, that's that's the main <laughs> opinion that matters, right? <laughs> there we go. You're not going to hang up on me nope. like I might have just done to you. <laughs> No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, okay, so I'm going to just go in order of how the media poll went, since we're media guys, whatever. Hey, I I, I told everybody how I voted. You, you released an article in the forum on that. Um, do you want, you know, but we're just going to kind of go through the teams. I, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, on this. And, of course, would you know, don't give away, you know, your whole articles or anything. I encourage everybody to go to maryvilleforum.com. But, um well, let's we're got to start at the top with the team that won the MIAA last year, who was who was top of the top of the heap in both polls, preseason polls this year. Pitt State, um, with that monstrous offensive line that they have, Chad Dodson Jr., who's can make plays. I don't know that he's the most consistent quarterback, um, but you know, boy, he he certainly can play pretty well at times and complete. They were they were kind of a big play offense. They had the maybe the best tight end in all of division two, certainly in the MIAA. Um, and I mean, you talked about the defense, which is probably the strength of their team. I get why people voted them one. I didn't happen to in my poll. Um, now I'm going, I was going off of mostly that we have them at home. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I am pretty high on the Bearcats, but Anyway, what what are your thoughts on Pitt? I know you had you had them one. What are the things that impress you about them? Uh, yeah, I think it's hard not to put them one going into the year. Um, if we really dove into the schedule, yeah, I, I think there's a, a good case for Northwest having both Emporia and and uh, Pitt at home, and Emporia has to go to both. So I think there's. Uh, a decent chance or a decent argument. I, I kind of agree with your argument, actually, but I didn't apply it to the rest of my poll with schedule. And so that's kind of why I kept 
that pick one. And I just think they're a very good football team. Um, you can copy and paste a lot what we say about Northwest with with the expectations are are beyond just making it to the playoffs. They and they said that at media day. They they want to get through the region. They want to win a national championship. Guess what? Northwest expectations are get through the region, win a national championship. Um, Pitt returns just so much from last season. Uh, they had a weird kind of late loss with losing Caleb Lewis, a running back, all in my double-A kid. But they returned Dotson, who has had a similar path to Hohenzi. I kind of always have those guys linked at the hip um, in that kind of three, four in the, the quarterback discussion, the MIAA. Uh, they turned an explosive playmaker last year's MIAA freshman of the year in uh, Caddis. Uh, you mentioned the tight end. Uh, they're just they're just a really good team. They have uh, guys like Rico Payton on the back end. Um, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but, but Dubon Okakwu, uh, something like that. Um, He's, he's a really good, obviously, pass rusher, maybe the premier pass rusher in the MIAA this year. Um, there's just a lot of talent on that team. Um, and it's, it certainly looks like a showdown in Maryville on October 21st. Um, both teams have a long way to get there. We'll talk about other teams that would like to disrupt that, but I just think these those two teams – I had to turn in my D2Football.com poll. I have them both in the top four. I have them 3-4 behind Bears and Green Valley again, where I I don't see any way you could kind of argue against that. I know they're not actually the top four teams in the nation because Northwest is fifth in, in both the major polls right now behind mine. But uh, to me, those are the four best teams in the nation, and it's not particularly close down the fifth spot there. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with that. Here's the thing that I can't figure out about Pitt and and their massive, you know, bulldozers at offensive line. I mean, they're just so so impressive to look at. I mean, hey, they're they're heck of an offensive line, but they really struggled running the football last year. And that kind of didn't make sense <laughs> to me, I guess. You think those big guys, they would be better um at running the football. And listen, I, when I say that, one, I'm nitpicking. And two, I'm really comparing them to, you know, like the top teams in the country. I'm not, I'm not saying versus the MIAA. Um, I'm more comparing them to the Ferris's, to the Grand Valley's, to Northwest, right? And so, um, so that's a little bit nitpicking. I mean, their defense, though, was insanely impressive. I mean, if you can, you know, <laughs> lead the MIAA in scoring defense and you're, you know, beat out the Bearcats, that's, uh, that's pretty good. I think that's going to, you know, that's going to, make them national title contenders. Um, I think, you know, if, if you're going to be a team that's that's going to go to Northern Michigan and win in November and December, you better run the football to do that. And I think Pitt can stop the run. That's They got half of that. But I don't know. Like, I think that if there's anything, and again, it's me nitpicking, um, is uh, that, that kind of makes me scratch my head. Now watch, they'll come out and run for 200 yards a game this season, but. I was going to say, you're getting a little little nitpicky there because Caleb Lewis had 970 yards of rushing last year and, and was second in the MIAA only behind T.J. Davis. So 
Caleb Caleb ran the ball pretty good last year, but um, they lose him, and that they don't really have a proven guy behind him yet. I know they've got some guys at media day that they were excited about, but um, yeah, finding that Lewis replacement will be big for them, um, and just having that offensive line kind of similar to Northwest now. I think they're farther along, certainly, with the offensive line with last year's performance as Northwest was. But that's going to be the key to their offense, just like it is for Northwest. Well, they were seventh in the MIAA in rushing last year, third worst in 3.6 yards a carry, and, and, yeah. and Lewis had more than half of their yards rushing. So that's that's where my question comes in. I'm not saying that Caleb Lewis isn't a talented guy. Um, I just question, like, you know, is somebody going to step into that role? And, and uh, you know, I uh, anyway, again, nitpicking. Listen, I, all I'm doing is justifying my pick of Northwest over Pitt. <laughs> so, I mean, really, that's what I'm doing. And I believe those things. But anyway. All right. Well, we're I, I get it. I think it's 1A, 1B going into yeah, the year. Absolutely. And I, Northwest gave it to my home. Though, so I completely understand your your reasoning. And they almost beat him last year with Braden as beat up as you can be and Mikey not being able to play. Yeah. And they've almost beat him in the jungle. So, no, I'm not. I've, that game is, is circled on the calendar. Um, it should be standing room only at, at Bearcat Stadium for that one, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's homecoming. So <laughs> if, even if it wasn't, yeah. it would oh, be. It but it's yeah. homecoming. And so, man, that's going to be that's going to be crazy. Um well, skip over number two because that's where the Bearcats came in, and and number three is is kind of Emporian. I think you see them where I see them as kind of they're kind of on a level all of their own because I don't think they're not that they couldn't beat either Northwest or Pitt on the road. I I while it would probably be a surprise, I don't know that it would be a shock, but I just don't see them on that level. Is that where you are? That is where I am, and. That's an insanely high level. Um, I, like I said, the D2 football poll, I have them ranked number 10 in the country in mine. They check in at 17 in that poll, but I put them at 10 because I just think that team is fantastic. I think their defense is underrated because the offense gets all the headlines. I mean, it's not Northwestern Pitt's defense. That's what separates them. It's not there, but it's as good as anybody else in the conference. It's a it's a really good defense. And uh and their offense is just special. Brady Gleason, he he's in in the form this week I put out my quarterback rankings and I have him number one in the MIAA over T J Davis. Um I'm sure that's a little controversial, but I Brady Gleason's just a heck of a player. Jalen Varner, I think, is going to have a huge year at, at receiver. They, they've got weapons for him. Billy Ross Jr. at running back. I love this Emporia team. I just don't think they're quite Northwest and Pitt State. Um, I expect I expect them to give Northwest all they can handle week two, but I don't. I just I just think those two other teams are just a, a little cut above. Well, and they brought in a kid from the SAIC. Jaden Horace, I think, who played at Allen. Anyway, he was he's on my uh, D2 uh, fantasy kind of watch list of the players to play from receiver. I hadn't heard that, that they brought him in. So, yeah, who knows? They're, the interesting, you know, you know, I'm always looking at these stats, right? The interesting thing about Emporia, obviously, number one 
offense in the MIAA, whether you look scoring or, or yardage or, you know, however you look at it, um, is, uh, they were the only team in the MIAA to give up less sacks than games that they played. So gave up, uh, uh, 11 sacks in, 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 uh, their, in their 11 games. So, or in, in their 12 games. So that's impressive. I mean, part of it's the quick passing game. You know, Braden Gleason wants to get the ball out of his hands as quickly as possible that, you know, we could see where they have six, you know, they have and can have some success against teams with really good D lines, like a Northwest, like a pit. When you do that to kind of negate that pass rush a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I think Gleason's the best quarterback in the MIAA, one of the best quarterbacks probably in the country. Um, and the question is the defense. You know, they lost their top two linebackers. Um, they do return a lot of guys. And you're right, they probably are underrated on defense. You know, Coach Higgins is, is uh, he's a heck of a coach. I, I like him a lot. I always like listening to him at media day um, just because he's kind of an entertaining guy that you want to hear what he has to say. Um, so I don't know. You know, I think could they conceivably come up to one of those top, you know, in, in the top two? Maybe. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't put money on it, but, uh, you know, if they, if they lose to anybody yeah. other than Northwest and Pitt, I'll probably be surprised. And Jordan Williams on that D line, he was at the other day. Mm. He's, he's one of the best players, um, defensive players, certainly in the conference. I think he deserves mentioning 13 and a half tackles for loss, seven and a half sacks at D tackle. Um, the only guys we see putting up numbers like that in the MIAA are, are Northwest players. <laughs> right. um, so he's he's in a pretty good company there. And their D-line returns three guys that were all MIAA, either one of the teams, down to honorable mention. Um, so I, I think the D-line's going to be pretty good. Um, I think that'll be a tremendous key for the Northwest offensive line in week two when that when that comes around is is keeping that D line contained. But um, yeah, I just I I'm a big obviously I think they're a top ten team in the country. Big big fan of what Emporia's got going on. I just think the other two teams in the conference are top four teams in the country. So that's the that's a separating factor. Yeah. Well, then uh, next, again, I'm just going by the media rankings, how, how they were in the poll. We'll talk about Washburn, um, team that I was kind of expecting to be pretty solid defensively. We know about Kellen Simonsik, who's, you know, it's his second full season as a starter, although he was pressed into duty in, in 2021. No James Letcher Jr., no Peter Afell um, at receiver. Those are going to be a couple of big misses. Talon Peters is back at running back. That's um, that's good I I say I expect them to be solid defensively. I was surprised when I looked up the stats. They were number six in the MIAA in scoring and number seven in yardage last year. I just always feel like Washburn is usually in the top half, uh, maybe even the top kind of third or so of the of the MIAA in defense. And I don't know. I can't figure them out. I think this next, you know, we talk about Washburn, UCO, Kearney. Um, I don't know. Maybe you, you throw up. A, a central and a southern in there. Um, I feel like any of these two, you could, you know, you could kind of justify putting them about any way you wanted to wanted to rank them before the season starts. Yeah, it surprised me that they were solidly number four in both the coaches and the the media poll. Um, yeah, Kellen Smotch is 
that was the big quote that if there was one quote from media day I took away is that uh, when Coach Shurig said he's one of the top players in all of Division Two, I have him ranked as my fifth best quarterback in the MIAA, and it's a it's a heck of a group of quarterbacks. But if you're the fifth best quarterback in your own conference, I don't see you as the as one of the top players in all of D two. But uh, Coach Shurig said it, um, so they've got high expectations offensively. Um, maybe he has more faith in that passing game was more about Samajas than, than they, uh, than I do, where I think it was a lot about James Letcher and Peter Offal being, being the, maybe the two best receivers in the league. Um, they're, so I'm, I'm just curious to see that transition. They returned some guys who have caught passes behind them. They have depth at receiver, but do they have that star power? And I don't know if they, I don't, I don't know if they do. Time will tell. Uh, Taylor Peters is a guy that's been in the MIAA for like a decade. It seems like at this <laughs> yeah, point he's it's been around a while. Um, so he's he's a solid as solid is. I don't know if he's more than solid though. I just think they're a really good team, top to bottom. But I don't know if I see that high high upside that I see in in those top three teams for sure. Um, for, for reference, I had them number 25 in my, in my D2 overall poll. And they're probably more talented than the number 25 team in the country. Um, some of that goes with, Hey, you got to include some super region one teams or else it just is a bad look. You like some of that. I'm they're more talented than number 25 in the country, but I just, I, I don't know if they have that upside that the other teams do. Well, t- tied for fifth, we'll talk about Central Oklahoma first. And Adam Doral, you know, he, he brought in uh, – it was interesting. He brought in a couple of transfer quarterbacks. Stephon Brown is at Media Day, which I, f- I found – I think you and I were talking about this maybe at, at Media Day. I found that kind of interesting. Um but I mean, hey, you know, if you're elected a captain, is what it is. And, you know, AD is certainly no stranger if you go back to his time with the Bearcats at playing two different quarterbacks, kind of depending on, um, you know, what the skill set is. Stephon Brown's definitely a guy, um, you know, he's got a heck of an arm if, if he can throw it accurately, and he's, he's a heck of an athlete. Um, the defense was pretty impressive. I think Coach Doral did a heck of a job bringing in his his defensive staff because that was the one thing last year they seemed to be um, pretty good. Kind of the turnover that maybe we thought would happen before last season seemed to happen a little bit this off season. They, um, you know, maybe kind of cut out some of the deadwood. I don't know; if those are my words, not anybody else's. But um, you know, when you're coming in trying to change a culture, rebuild a program, and I think you you mentioned this maybe in your article about last year's kind of the floor for what you think a, a Coach Doral team is at UCO. I think a lot of us, and, and maybe I could definitely be clouded as, as a Bearcat fan, but, you know, kind of see the AD effect as this looks definitely looks like a team on the rise. I have been number, number four in my pool. Um, I had them number, I think, 16 when I voted for the, uh, for the overall uh, D2 poll. Um, I'm – I'm high on them. Um, everybody loves a quarterback at media day. That's that's the other thing. I'll uh, 
I'll read you a quote from uh, from AD about about Brown. In all my years of coaching college athletics, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy change his mechanics more in one year's time. He looked night and day different from spring football and how he looks this summer with his confidence and how he throws the football. So it doesn't sound like it's a two-quarterback system there. It sounds like wow. Brown's a guy, and um, he he just he seems really, really high on him, and that's part of the reason I'm high on UCO because I think he has that potential where we said Washburn maybe doesn't have that upper-tier potential. Um, maybe it's just the AD effect clouding me, but I, I just – Brown has all the talent in the world, and if he can lead that offense and they can get that defense going, I I really like UCO this year. It could be also because I watched them live play their best game of the year last year against Northwest, um, which which kind of changes that. But I I'm just very high on UCO. I think they can be a team that that challenges for the playoffs. I wouldn't pick them to make the playoffs. But I think they can be a team that's that's right there come the last couple weeks of the season. Well, one of the things AD mentioned at Media Day, I think there's a couple of things that he mentioned wanting to change. One was stupid penalties, his words, yeah. and two, uh, and, and two was a third down percentage, and they were dead last, which surprised me. I knew the third down percentage wasn't great, but twenty seven point six percent, that's bad. <laughs> no matter what way you're looking at that, so you got to assume that gets better. You know they're at least winning a couple of more games, just converting third downs and you know keeping drives alive, scoring more points. And um, yeah, I think you know I think a, a lot of us think that. And then maybe that as a Bearcat fan, that kind of scares me a little bit. But uh, <laughs> you know, like oh, yeah, talked, want... anyway, go ahead. He talked about receiver being a mess last year too, and um, that's probably a paraphrase, but it's not far off what he actually said. He was. He was saying they had to get creative on offense because they didn't have the guys to put out their receivers. So they had to run a lot of tight ends and stuff like that. And he sounded more more enthused about who he had on the outside this year. They returned a lot of the guys who got experience last year. Um, we'll, we'll see if that makes a difference and maybe unlocks more Browns game. Like you said, he has a big arm, so um, maybe it's less – reliant on those little accurate short throws that they have some more guys outside that can win. So uh, that'll be interesting to see. Well, let's talk about those quarterbacks. One of them was Dawson Hurl, who was a starter for, um, I don't know, I, I didn't look it up, probably most of the games for uh, Missouri Southern and him and uh, I believe it was Luke Sampson split a lot of time. I think Luke Sampson took over kind of at the end, but yeah. Earl had it in the beginning. And and he went, you know, he goes to UCO and kind of think, well, you know, maybe AD sees something in the young man and then, you know, maybe not, you know, or maybe obviously he did, but I mean, maybe, you know, that kind of made me scratch my head. Ah, what are they going to do at quarterback? But yeah, it seems like Stephon Brown's the guy. So, um, mm-hmm. and if he has made those changes and, and everything, you know, who, who would you trust more than AD to, to uh, figure that out? So, they they could be an exciting team to watch, just minus that game in Maryville. Hopefully for Bearcat fans. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, they've the other, got a rough schedule with going to Pitt too. Yeah, they've got they've they got get everybody on the, on the road this year. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. They won all those home games last year, and the schedule kind of flip flops on them. Um, and yeah, I mean, I do think too they could be a team that gets better, and maybe their record is worse by a game or two. Um, you know, to that that'll be interesting to see how that schedule shakes out. Well, the other team tied for fifth, and I, and I put them sixth because I had UCO over Carney in my poll. Uh, Nebraska Carney, um, you know, Coach Held taking over there for for Josh Lynn, who and you know you mentioned T.J. Davis, one of the most electrifying players in the country. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Here's what I wrote down: is is you know he, he's really good. How well can he throw the football? I think that's going to be a challenge this year because, you know, you got a new coaching staff. You're going to have a different, um, you know, you're, you're probably going to have a little bit of a different offense, whether that's more traditional, you know, uh, read option out of the spread or however it is. It's not going to be what Josh Lynn was running, which I think really suited TJ very, very well. Um, he can He can run around and make plays and win games on his own. But, boy, they lose a bunch on their offensive line. Um, you know, I think they're going to need their defense to play pretty well. I don't know. I, I see them as, as definitely a team that could, uh, I'm not saying they're going to win four games or anything like that, but definitely could drop off from where we've seen them the last few years. I'm lower on them since media day. I had them fifth. I had them above Washburn in my media or my poll before media day. And now I certainly have them sixth at least. Um, I was, yeah, just thinking more about it with what they've lost. Um, TJ is great and he gives them a floor, but I don't know if they can beat the really good teams playing that way, um, or playing the way they're going to play. They could beat them playing, playing the Josh Lynn way. They had, they had some scares where they put in the Northwest and certainly could have probably should have beat Pitt last year. Like they they uh they put some scares into people, but I I'm a little nervous with this transition, especially defensively. Um, I'm I'm a little nervous with what they have. They have a great offensive line, and TJ is great, and they have a couple running backs that are experienced. So I think their offense can can do things, especially against the lesser teams. But their defense uh, worries me this year. Yeah, I had them fifth. I I had ranked them ahead of Washburn. I had Washburn sixth, but I don't know. Like look looking back on it, I think I'm a little bit higher. And, and I here's the thing: when I did the poll, like I thought I was a lot lower on Carney than some people were. That definitely wasn't the case. Um, but uh, anyway, I just found that interesting. Interesting. Well, seven on on my poll and on uh, you know the the media poll is Central Missouri year two of. Of Lambeau, he gets a full off season, which I think is going to be massive. Um, and I don't know though; I expect them to be better. Same thing. How many wins does that translate to? I'm not really sure. You know, Cedric Case to Arkell Smith. I think there's going to be a lot of yards and touchdowns there. Um, I love love Greg Jones as the defensive coordinator. I think that is maybe the signing of the off season in the MIAA. Um, you know, again, I'm, I don't know that that puts them in the, in the top three or anything of defense in the conference, but I think in the, you know, in a year or two, you know, we know what, what he did as a, as a high school football coach, spent some time out in Oregon and he's a former Bearcat, but, um, I just think, man, what a great hire for Lambeau staff. 
And, uh, you know, I think as long as they're patient with him in Warrensburg, I think things are, are going to go okay. I don't know how that transfers to this year. I, I don't know that I see him winning more than maybe five or six games at most. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Lambeau. Um, not as huge a fan as you are uh, as the president <laughs> of the Lambeau fan club. I am unofficially. But, um, uh, but he, I, I agree. I think um, he's, he's building and it's getting better out there. I am, I am lower on them, frankly, than the media poll or the coaches poll is. Um, we have some teams coming up that I have higher than them. Um, just because outside of Case and Smith, um, I don't know really what they what they are. They they were replaced a lot. Um, they struggled last year. Um, their schedule, I will say, is it's kind of interesting um, because they open at Missouri Western, then they have Central Oklahoma, and then Pitt, Washburn, Northwest, Kearney. Um, it could get. It could get ugly if they can't beat the Griffins um, or maybe pull the upset of Central Oklahoma. It could get ugly fast. So uh, having the schedule line up like that, uh, it's I don't know if anybody has a bigger week one in front of them than, uh, than Central going to St. Joe because they – uh, frankly, they need to win that game or else they're staring 0-6 in the face. Yeah. Well, last year was tough, right? They had a murderous schedule last year and started yeah. out, what, 0-4, 0-5, and, and, and uh, you know, end up winning four games. But um, not where they would want. But I, I don't know. Watching them last year, I thought they were a little bit ahead of kind of where I expected them to be. Um, and uh, I don't know. Like I said, I, I'm not sure – that you know they're going to have to beat these teams that we're going to talk about next. You know they're going to have to, you know they're going to have to beat the Missouri Westerns, the Hayes, Southern, Northeastern State. I mean, I think everybody's probably going to beat Northeastern State, but we'll get to that. Um, but anyway, yeah, and that's going to be the big, the big question. Well, let's talk about Missouri Southern. They were eighth. I had them ninth. I had Western at eight in front of them in my poll. I think. Looking back at it, I would probably flip-flop them. I could maybe see them at seven in my poll. The thing that I'm really unsure about with Missouri Southern, I love Nathan Glades, Joplin Kid, love him as a running back. You know, their offense just didn't score a lot of points for him last year. They just weren't that good, um, weren't that successful. And so that's kind of where my question is, like, can they take the next step? I love Coach Bradley. I think he's doing a phenomenal job. He's made them tougher. I think we saw that when they came to Maryville. This is not, you know, Missouri Southern team from five to ten years ago where you're gonna, you know, you're gonna stomp them seventy to seven. On, you know, when when you play them, that that's just that's not gonna happen anymore. This is definitely a tougher team. Their their defense is really good. Um, their special teams is pretty good. I, I like a lot of things about them. The, if they can run the football and then whoever it is, whether it's Samson or, or somebody else that's going to play quarterback, they, to me, to take the next step, they, they need to score more on offense. But two, I think they're another team. They could be better this year than last year and maybe not win as many games just because of this log jam kind of in the middle of the MIAA. That's certainly possible. Um, as I've said before, number four through 
through 10 in the MIAA. Um, you could put them in a bag, shake them up, and, and I believe any order they come out in almost. Um, but I'm, I don't know. I'm high on Southern. I had them at seventh in my poll. I had them above ECM. Um, I had them way higher than, than the media or the, uh, yeah, it was the media poll. They were eighth. And then the coaches poll, they were 10th. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of shocked by that. Um, and they just returned, like I said, Luke Sampson fish the year as the quarterback. He threw for 750 yards, which certainly isn't a huge amount, but a couple starts. That's, that's solid. Um, rotated in throughout the year. Nathan Glades, one of the top, uh, probably the top returning running backs. They've got two experienced receivers who both had about 500 yards last year. Jaden Shoshank, who was at Media Day, and then Ezekiel Lang, um, who is built like you want a receiver to be built like. He's, he's out of the lab. Um, they return a lot defensively. They lose Richard Jordan, who has speaking guys who have been there for a decade. Um, Richard Jordan's been there a long time, but defensively they return a lot. I just, I, I don't know. I'm higher than, on them than everyone else, I guess. Um, and I guess that'll be the, the hill I have, and maybe I'll look look foolish. They have a tough start to the season, too, with Northwest Washburn and Carney. Um, so maybe I'll look foolish uh, with how that comes out. But I'm, I just really like this team. No, I, I, I do too. And I, I really like coach Bradley. I actually got to kind of horn in on a conversation between him and coach T at, uh, during the lunchtime at, uh, at media day. And I mean, I don't know how you could not be excited about that program. Just listen, just listen to him talk. I mean, he, he knows it. He's, you know, he's played there. He's, um, you know, he, he's a local guy. Um, I, you know, I believe in what he's doing long-term. Um, and you know, Hey, maybe I'll be the one that looks foolish. Maybe they'll, you know, their offense will really turn things around. I think if they do, they can make a big jump. If, if the offense plays better, I think they're a team that they have a higher ceiling than maybe some of these other teams just because of, um, you know, their defense and how they play. So I certainly not criticizing you. I knew you were higher on them than me, but, uh, anyway, that's why I was interested to kind of get, get your take on them. Cause it's uh, yeah, we'll see. All right, number nine was Missouri Western, um, you know, and and I in 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 my poll I had them eight. Mm, I don't know. I'm I'm not feeling that as much as I was. Um, new coach Tyler Fenwick, who who's a you know he was a Jerry Partridge guy. He was the offensive coordinator when when they were scoring lots of points and Drew Newhart was chucking the ball all over the place. He's a Western guy. I think it's a great hire. Um, you know, it's just, you know, there, there was a lot of attrition of guys leaving. Quarterback, who knows, right? I think Reagan Jones doesn't even have a number. Um, they have a couple of uh, transfers in. They're just a really He's got big, a number now. Oh, he way. does? Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I knew he didn't at the, at that uh, was kind of combing through your article. I knew he didn't at one point. We had talked about that, yeah. Because he didn't uh, play during the spring, so I guess they took it away. But. Okay. And gave it to somebody else just for spring ball, but he's back at seven. Here's so. the weird thing about them, and here I am with stats again. Yardage wise, number two in offense, number three on defense. And yeah. um 
you know, they didn't win any more games than they did last year. It it was just um, that's just kind of surprising. I feel like they have some talent, but I don't know what's going on. I like I said, I'm maybe lower on them now. Um, maybe I put them down in the uh, in this nine or, or or ten spot. How do you feel about Western? Well, I will say because our mutual friend Anthony Crane, who's now taken over for Devin Albertson as the MIAA columnist at B2Football.com, um, he was pointing out that how impressive their rushing offense was last year. And if you look at it, um, I forget how many they had a running back run for like 250, their third string running back, like 250 yards against Lincoln at the end of the year. Lincoln had uh, completely checked out of the MIAA at that point. Uh, so I think some of those numbers are a little inflated um, or quite a bit inflated. Um, they're, they're enigma because they're always, they're always talented. They're kind of like UCM where it just feels like they can't quite put it together the last few years. And I agree with you. I like the Fenwick hire. I was, I've been impressed with him. People I know who have talked to him um, on a more deeper level than than media day um, have been impressed with him. So um, I'm I'm hopeful with him. Um, that athletic department as a whole is kind of a mess in some of the dreams right now. And that um, with their their new AD and everything. So I'm kind of a little bit worried about how that translates into the season. But they certainly have the talent, especially defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I have no idea who starts a quarterback, and they're the only team in the league where I can say where I don't feel above fifty percent that somebody's going to start. Like Samson's probably the next least likely, but I'm pretty confident it's going to be him. So um, yeah, they're they're weird in that regard. Uh, same thing I said to UCM. I think that game is fascinating and if i wasn't going down to joplin i might make the trip down to uh st joe to watch that ucm or western game because i just think that that's going to tell us a whole lot about the middle of the pack and the miaa and i kind of feel like ucm's better and the polls say that um but western's at home so i think that's a fascinating game uh, it 100 percent is absolutely um, well, let's go to who's number 10 in the uh, media poll. And that's, that's Hayes, which <laughs> for yep. Hayes state, I mean, that's all, it would have been unheard of a few years ago. Um, and I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody that isn't complimentary of, of Chris Brown as a head coach. I think he's a heck of a coach and uh, you know, but it's just, and they were really young. They've had some attrition, um, in the program, you, you saw a Chance Fuller, not not only him, but Adrian Soto, who who I had in uh, in D two Fantasy last year, as as a, a you know good good all around back who could who could run the ball and catch the ball as well. They both go to CSU Pueblo, which I think pff, you know that's a couple of home <laughs> run that's a couple of home run signings for for the Thunderwolves there. But um, yeah, I just don't you're, know. I you're don't stepping know. on my my column idea that they're the most interesting team to watch outside the MIAA. Well, seeing what those two can do in the RMAC mm-hmm. uh, might say a lot to how good the MIAA is if they immediately go in there and uh, or right up there with mines at the top of that league. Yeah, it is very interesting. Um, 
you know, but I don't know. I cannot figure Hayes out. You know, if they were to win five or six games, I don't know that I'd be shocked. But then again, if they only win, you know, three again, um, I don't know. I don't I don't know if if Coach Brown could necessarily survive that. I haven't heard that he's on the hot seat, but you know, to have the success that you did and then to kind of how things are going now, I I really believe in him as a defensive coach, as a coach. They were so young. I, I don't know. Uh, do you have a, a better gauge on them than I do? Well, I know you said you hadn't. You were saving my article to read, but my your your opening sentence for this explanation and mine and my story. Uh, mine in the story are few coaches in the MIAA are as respected among their peers as Fort Hayes' Chris Brown. So yeah, we we kind of think about that in the same way, like in in talking to Rich as much as we do. Um, Rich and Chris have have a little bromance there; they're they're buddies. So uh, um, maybe that's part of it. But they have they're just they're they're weird. Um, my headline, and I feel bad about it um, a little bit, but then I didn't change it because they basically said the same thing is my headline for this story is uh, Tigers look to pull out of tailspin because that's what they, they've been in. They just consistently gotten worse every year. And I don't know what to do about it, like uh, for their point of view. I don't know how to put them any higher. Um, I will say starting safety Mason Perez had, had the quote I did pull it out. And he said, uh, we needed something to change, and it definitely has changed from spring going into the summer. But then their their point was they had, like, uh, they had 50 dudes in the weight room. Um, and if Joe Q tells you only 50 guys on the team are in the weight room, uh, you're a little worried if you're Northwest. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm not even sold that that's a great thing. Um, so I... Hayes, um, I'm concerned at this point. I had them 10th. I only have them better than one team, Northeastern State. And they go to Northeastern State week one. And if, I mean, maybe this will transition to our last team, but if Northeastern State's going to win an MIAA game this year, I think coming out week one and shocking Hayes is the way they can do it. I'm certainly not picking them to do that, but... Would it would it blow my mind? Not really. Um, so I don't know. Uh, Hayes is a. I'm worried about them. We'll we'll just leave it at that. Well, and it's interesting, you know, because if you look at that, you know, into the the was it eight eighteen and nineteen or, or seventeen and eighteen seasons about you know they yeah. they climbed up and boy it seemed like you know they were really doing things the right way and this is how you build a team in the MIAA and then kind of see them free fall. Um, you know, and, and I would probably put them, I, I could see it's kind of what the way I think about Nebraska Kearney and I'll get some flack from that from, we have a nice little group chat going with a couple of lopers, but, um, you know, I don't know. I could, I could maybe kind of see that, you know, there's, there's a rise up and then maybe, maybe it dips off. Maybe it falls off a little bit. I don't know. Maybe TJ, TJ Davis kind of keeps that from happening this season, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Hayes, I just can't I figure mean, out. Uh, let's just put the numbers behind it. In 2017, 11 and 0 in the MIAA. 2018, 9 and 9 and 2. 2019, they had eight wins. 2021, 
Um, obviously, after taking 2020 off, they had five wins, and then last year they had three wins. It's just been steadily downhill since since those Nathan Shepard teams of the mm-hmm. past. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm worried to say, or I'm worried about Hayes in that regard. So we'll see we'll see how they uh, how they do and if they can they can figure it out. Like we both like Chris Brown, so maybe there's maybe they can figure it out that we're not seeing right now. All right, well, let's talk about the team that everybody's got at the bottom, Northeastern State. They were probably the team most <laughs> most disappointed that Lincoln was leaving the MIAA. I yeah. think I think I like JJ Eckert. Like I think like I think he's a good coach. He's a he's a you know Tahlequah guy. Um, but boy, I, you know, can the only notes I really wrote down for this is can he survive the season? You know, that's I was kind of maybe worried about that a little bit last year. Um, I don't know. Can anybody else come in and do any better? I'm I'm not really sure, um, and that's no respect. I think you know the team has has uh, you know gotten tougher since he's been there. Maybe they've been a little mm-hmm. bit more competitive, but it's just such a big a big gap. I, I don't I don't really see them anywhere else but bottom of the MIAA and, and probably winless. It's impossible to pick them anywhere else. They they still have the Lincoln game on their schedule. So hopefully not a winless season for them, but uh, it's it's tough. Like I said, maybe your maybe your big hope is uh, is that week one game shocking Hayes. Um, that's my best chance for them to win a game in the MIAA this year because I just I don't see it. The other winnable or quote unquote winnable games for teams ranked in that lower third. I mean, they have to go to Western. They have to go to Southern. They it's it's a lot of road trips for the games that you might consider winnable. So uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm a little worried about about the Riverhawks this year. And JJ, he's got a lot of equity built up in that. Is his father is a Hall of Fame coach at Northeastern State. He, he's in the Hall of Fame as a player, um, as a quarterback on on a team. Um, they, it's he's got a lot of equity built up in that town, um, and so maybe maybe he's just stays the coach. Um, and like like you said, there's nobody that doesn't like him. He's a really likable guy and seems to know what he's doing. That's just a really hard situation to be in when every other team is just has more resources to work with than than they do in Tahlequah right now and and you got to wonder going forward uh if if the MIAA is the right conference for them um I know you and I have speculated on that before but it's it just seems like a hard place to win especially in this league yeah well and you look at you know the western game ended up being close heck you know they they almost beat Missouri Western. So, you know, yeah. if, if I'm looking, you know, heck, the Washburn game was even close. But I mean, you look, I don't know, you look at those other teams around them. So, well, to me, they're not going to sneak up on Western because of that game last year. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I'm sim- oversimplifying a little bit. But, um, you know, Southern didn't really have a problem with them last year. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Boy, it it's, certainly looks like it's going to be a long season. Yeah, it's 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 tough. Um, 
they do have Ben Ward. We'll just name a few names since we did for everybody else. But Ben Ward's back after he's been rotating in at quarterback. He's kind of he's kind of probably that guy this year. Although they have El Rich back, who's who's rotated in too. They, so they have a couple guys. Um, Braden Gilkey got hurt early in the season. Had 21 carries for 86 yards last year. Got hurt in week two. So if he can. If he stays healthy at running back, maybe that gives them a spark that they didn't have last year. Um, receiving, there's not much to write home about in terms of stats. Um, Chris Lee is the only Riverhawk who made any of my top 10 lists at uh, defensive tackle for them. He's a big guy who who can play well and was honorable mention in all conference last year. So they're starting to have some guys, some young guys step up. Um, I like their secondary actually, uh, or at least the duo in their secondary with, uh, with Johnny Jean, who was at, uh, and Jordan Lamont. Johnny Jean was at Media Day this year. I think Lamont was there last year. So, uh, they've got a couple of guys on the back end, um, that have played a lot of football. So, I mean, they're getting better. It's just, you got to get a lot better to compete in this conference. And, I don't know if that's if that's even possible at this point. Yeah. Well, and you got to win games to, you know, to convince kids to go there. And I think that's the thing. If you're, you know, if you're going to get better, oh, you need to have at least yeah. a little something to show. So yeah, hopefully they can, uh, you know, get get Lincoln in that in that game. Well, well, John, buddy, as always, I I certainly appreciate your time, and and we'll be uh, having you on again soon. And I guess I'll uh, see you down in Joplin. Sounds sounds good. We'll see you there. This is geriatric football coach Bob Green, and you're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt. Welcome in here on Bleeding Green. Joined now by the special teams defensive backs coach and recruiting coordinator for the Bearcats, former Bearcat DB himself, Brandon Clayton. And uh, Coach Clayton, thanks so much for taking a little time and uh, joining me here on the podcast. No problem. My pleasure and happy to be here. Happy to do it and visit with you. Well, it's kind of a crazy, <laughs> kind of a crazy time. We're getting ready for, for the, uh, um, the, the scrimmage this week, getting ready for the season to start in a week. I'm sure, uh, it's, I'm sure fall camp has probably flown by so far for you guys. Yeah. It, it doesn't feel like it's going that fast when you're in it, but definitely when you look back and when we started till, till today, it's the time really flown by fall camp isn't, um, the fall camp, we all remember where we're doing two days and some people were doing three days and things like that. It's uh, kids are here all summer now, so they're in much better shape coming in. And um, NCAA now has rules in place where you can't do certain things. So we we as older people and I don't like to consider myself old, uh, think of it as it's a little bit easier of a grind, but it's definitely still a mental um, part to it um just staying locked in for the meetings for the practice and getting out there and competing and getting used to being to banging around and pads and everything well let's talk about the defensive backs because you know this time of last year it felt like boy there was there was a lot of young guys there's still a fair amount of young guys but now some of them have experience you know you you look at you know i mean boy the, the list of guys coming back is is pretty good of course khalil smith kind of starts with him in corner and um, Shane Fredrickson and and Charles Gaddy's 
is is healthy after probably had as an impressive half of a Bearcat debut as as anybody that I can remember in that Hayes game last year. Of course, uh, I mentioned Shane Fredrickson, Rhett Jordan, Josh Turner, Andrew Bradley as uh, was kind of a young guy that that came on and pressed Trayon Jones. There's there's a lot of you've you've added some too, but boy, there's a lot of guys that are uh, that are coming back. How do you how are you feeling about the depth in the defensive backfield? Yeah, we um, we're definitely ahead of where we were a year ago, just in terms of experience, communicating, um, cohesiveness, just kind of being on the same page. Um, that's that's been a blessing. Obviously, still still work to do. Um, we're not where we want to be to where we feel like we can be um, by the end of this thing. But I've I liked the way we progressed. I've liked the way those guys have worked throughout the uh, throughout the summer and throughout the fall camp. Um, I would say we're much further along than what we were last year, but still with a ways to go. Um, the Dell piece has, has really helped because it's created competition in the room um, at corner and at safety, um, just with a group of guys. So really excited about that. That's the best motivator you can have as a coach is other guys that can compete for playing time and just trying to always mix up the depth chart and keep people on their toes and keep them competing, keep them focused on little things and getting better. Uh, but I like the way they responded because as a group, they responded together. Um, they're working as a group, even though they're competing with one another, they're not working individually on that. They've, they've kind of locked in and, and really focused on the group being better and kind of learning from some of the things we weren't great at last year um, and trying to make those strengths this year. Well, and as, as you look at them too, I mean, there's, there's several guys mentioned Josh Turner mentioned Gaddy. I mean, there, there, there seems to be several guys too, that are, that can kind of move around within that back four. Absolutely. Um, the, the, a number of guys, um, Josh, for sure. He's, he started a game or two last year at corner and he, obviously a few of them at safety. Um, Gaddy too, this has experience playing corner, um, and obviously play safety. Um, you know, we, we try to recruit to that a little bit, um, guys that have some versatility to just always allow you to put the best four guys on the field or five guys on the field. Um, I think that's really, you know, been a strength of ours in the past, the secondary here. We've done it uh, with guys like Bryce Inyard and, and Eddie Ritchie and um, Anthony Lane even. So we've had some good ones and been able to do that. And I think that could just make you better as a football team when you're talking about playing your best four guys and not just the next best corner, the next best safety. You know, you're looking for the best people. Well, when I talked to you back on um, around signing day, we talked about Austin McKinney was the guy that you brought in. There's a couple of more transfers that you guys have brought in this summer. How do you feel like those guys are are acclimating to uh, to Bearcat football? Really well. Um, Austin's kind of bounced back between safety and corner. He's another one that has some versatility. Um, he athletically, he's he's really gifted, um, and he's just trying to clean up some little things here and there. But really excited going to be really impressed with him once he starts to pick it up um, and, and get going um, throughout the season. I think he's only going to get better um, because he's got all the physical abilities. Um, another one is Gianni. Uh, Gianni transferred in from Grandview. He's really impressed us. Um, obviously, he comes from a really good program up in Grandview. He's played a lot of football, most of it at, at safety, but naturally he's a corner. Um, he's played a lot of corner here for us so far, and I think he's been one of the more impressive DPs I've had um, in fall camp. Um, so those guys really help, um, you know, just to add, like I said, depth and competition to the room and experience. They've all played college football. So that's the other big thing that goes with it as well. What would you say, just the group as a whole, what would you say the biggest strength is? Um, I would think 
Um, obviously, the depth is a big strength. I would say uh, their attitude and the way they're working together and, and challenging each other and holding each other accountable thus far has been really good. Um, I would say those two things. Um, I think our communication has been a lot better and guys being on the same page. Um, I would say those three things stand out to me before when I think about us last year and where we are this year. And what about young guys that are there any young guys that have been pressed during camp? Maybe not necessarily. I mean, you know, we've ran through a lot of names of a lot of competition for spots, but maybe guys that won't necessarily figure in this year, but that get you real excited for down the road. Um, good question. Um, some freshmen that have done really well. I think, um, Holden Zygmunt has done a really good job. He's a true freshman safety. Um, I would think, uh, Caleb Bradley is another one that I think has tons of athleticism and a high upside. Um, we got to get him in the weight room and got to get him developed and got to get him learning our system. I think he's got all the physical tools. Um, another one from a mental aspect, Phineas Allen, um, has done a great job of just kind of picking up stuff. Um, you know, he was a kid that was committed to army, um, that didn't necessarily work out for him going through the process. And then, uh, we signed him really late, but he's come in and, you know, he's really serious attitude, um, really good with details, um, has made some plays, you know, in, in camp. So we're down there with the young guys. So those would be three that, that come to mind right away um, that, that stand out as far as in the back end. I'm trying to think of some more, but, um, you know, we got a good group down there. Carter Erickson's another one that I think's got a promising future. He transferred in uh, from the University of Iowa. He's just a, a true freshman. I see a redshirt freshman, though, so he's still relatively young and trying to learn our system. Um, but, I mean, they fit off in the room really well. I mean, I think we're having a lot of fun in that meeting room. The body language and the energy has been good. Um, the older guys have done a good job of, of teaching them, uh, coaching them up when when I can't see everything. Um, so uh, I'm excited. Well, let's talk a little bit about special teams. I mean, you got, you know, Cole Lamel had a, a spectacular season, especially through some of the struggles that he had and, and uh, you know, great – maybe the best field goal kicker in the MIAA some struggles at times with with extra points but um you know he brought some competition in for him last year both those other guys are back and and you know brought a brought a punter in to maybe you know ease ease the load on on Mikey as a punter and and mm -hmm. uh Will Berenson seemed to have zero problems at, at long snapper as a true freshman last year how do you feel like at least that group of those guys um we're not talking about you know kick block and field goal block, that sort of things. But, but on right. the kicking side of it, how do you feel like those guys are, uh, are coming along in that group is really good. Cole's becoming more consistent. Um, I think that's been a major thing. We've challenged him in anything 40 and in, it's just being really consistent um, and not overthinking or every kick's the same and, and just kind of focus on that. Um, for the most part, I think he's had a good camp, maybe a kick here or there, um, but I've seen growth like in him. So in the past, he, he'll miss a kick or something and he couldn't figure out what went wrong. He's able to, to figure that out and make the correction right away. Uh, I think that's the most impressive thing with him. Um, kickoffs look really good. His legs got stronger locations gotten a lot better um so really excited with them and right on his back is noah um noah's really pushed um he's got to get noah a little bit faster in the operation um but when noah is solid uh, more than capable leg he can push cole he can compete with cole um so we're excited about once again going back to the whole competition piece you, you need that 
um, so that you know kids can see like, hey, not doing what you need to do. There's somebody else that's working and, and trying to progress to, to take your job. Um, and that's kind of the nature of it. So I, I think that's really pushed Cole and help Cole. They get along well. They're great. Um, as far as Joe goes, our punter, um, he still got some things to work on. I would say Mike's still our most consistent punter to this point. Um, Joe's got upside. He's just trying to figure out how to fit within our system. Um, we're a little different in terms of directionally punting and doing things like that. Um, but he, he can do it. I have more than enough confidence in him um, to be able to do it. Um, but it, it may not. It's like taking one step back in order to take two steps forward. Um, and he's trying to work his way through that. Um, but I think down the line, he'll, he'll figure that out. Um, and obviously, Will Will's reliable now. Um, just expecting him to be better. You know, you, nobody knows is a bad snap, a long snapper until you have a bad snap. <laughs> right. So we, we, we don't expect those. But we do expect him to now be a little bit better in hitting spots. Uh, hey, we win or kick the ball this way, so we need a ball over here. Hey, we might need you to help in protection this week. Like, just things like that, just adding more to his plate um, and expecting him to be better as well. Well, and I mean, special teams, when it comes to blocking kicks, that's always, you know, that's been something for years and years that the Bearcats have been really good at. And sometimes it's an opportunity for some young guys to shine. How is, mm-hmm. is that group coming along? Um, good. Uh, we were just not getting into Missouri Southern prep. Um, we're still in the process of trying to figure out if we're going to be more of a return team or more of a block team. Um, obviously, with KG, we have a dynamic return guy um, that, that can make some things happen when he gets the ball in his hands. He can really flip field position and eventually score. Um, so that's one aspect of it. But obviously, always in our back pocket, we'll have a block in. Uh, for this critical situation that was very helpful in flipping momentum in a game for us last year against Grand Valley um, and just kind of being ready for that and working that. So um, those units have come along well, mostly drill work to this point. Um, and now we're starting to piece them together now that we're less than, you know, a week and a half out from playing. Perfect. Well, coach, I won't take up any more of your time as always appreciated and, uh, and can't wait for the 31st. Absolutely. Anytime, anything else you need, just let me know. Welcome back in here on Bleeding Green. Joined now by the co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for the Bearcats, former linebacker himself, Chad Bostwick. And uh, coach, thanks so much for taking a little time and uh, joining me here on Bleeding Green. I appreciate it, Matt. That's uh, again, like I've said before, it's awesome what you do, and just uh, glad I could help out. Let, let's talk about the this group of linebackers. Um, you know, kind of starts with Isaac Volstead, Andrew Dumas. Um, let's talk about Isaac to start with. I mean, he's a guy that. Um, I don't think we have to worry about him being in his brother's shadow anymore. I mean, he's a, he's an All-American in his own right. And and uh, wh- what have you seen from him, and what it, what impresses you most about him? Man, he's a guy that he's played a lot of football for us uh, over over the years, going into his sixth season, which is hard to believe. But uh, I was actually, you know, today was first day of school, giving him, you know, a little grief. Uh, you know, this what is this your tenth? Uh, first day of school here at Northwest. He just, <laughs> he gave it right back to me. Yeah. He, you've been here a while too. No, he's uh, a guy that's had a lot of experience, seen a lot of different, you know, different types of offenses and, and plays. And uh, you know, just the, the biggest thing with him is he is unequivocally uh, one of our best leaders on the team. And 
you know, when he speaks, everybody's going to listen and he has a lot of merit. And so it's, it, you know, uh, I've been proud of him with the way he's handled uh, that, uh, you know, kind of that role um, to your team captain for us and uh, just expecting big things from him this year. Well, and, and Andrew, another guy, I mean, he definitely had a breakout season last year and was, uh, you know, was pretty impressive at times and seemed to kind of get better even as the uh, as the season went on. Um, and now, of course, he's a captain as well. And, uh, you know, what has his development been like, you know, these last couple of years? Jeez, he's, he's come a long, long way. I mean, uh, you know, he's a kid. I like When we recruited him, big body kid, played running back in high school, uh, could move, you know, just um, very strong, came in strong, you know, when he was um, out of his senior year into his freshman year here. So a lot of uh, untapped potential there. Um, but, uh, again, the biggest thing with him, like since last year, just his leadership has come on really, really strong, and he is – when he speaks up, uh, everybody can hear him because he is very loud. Um, he does a great job of, of being a positive leader and just making sure that everybody, you know, is pulling the rope the same direction. So very proud of him with the way he's handled that role as well. Um, you know, kind of came in last year uh, competing for a starting spot with uh, Andrew Bloom um, at the, one of the outside backers spots in you know, uh, they split time quite a bit, uh, throughout the year and, you know, uh, do me, you know, just kind of towards the end of the year, started really playing very, very well, uh, not making a lot of mistakes, actually making some plays, making some, uh, exceptional plays as well. And, you know, it's hard to take him off the field. So, um, he's growing very comfortable in his role and, uh, just doing a great job of holding himself accountable and holding everybody around him accountable as well. Well, and I guess, you know, the question is, was, was that, you know, kind of going into even spring ball at the end of last season, who would be the, the third linebacker, who are the guys that kind of have, have been fighting for that spot? And, and, uh, and, and then the second part of that question is how do you feel about the depth you guys have at linebacker? Yeah, no, the, for the other spot right now, we have a young man by the name of Bryce Crone that's been running with our first team, um, you know, had a, and he'd tell you this too, he, he had an up and down spring. You know, just kind of the first time being in that role, played mostly special teams last year and did a great job with that. Um, so he's a guy that's been running with the ones and another uh, guy that's right behind him and right there with him is uh, Parker Bowen. And, uh, you know, another kid that played all special teams last year, did a phenomenal job and everything that he was asked to do, um, had a great spring. And uh, those two guys, I feel like, give us a real, you know, a good, a good combination of uh, depth at that position with that other spot. And, um, as far as the depth goes overall, I feel really good about this group. It's, uh, you know, we have a Carter Edwards, uh, at the other outside spot. Um, Jacob Forslund has been here a while. Carter Olson is uh, going to back up Isaac Volstead and he has had a really, really good fall camp. I mean, just, um, really feels comfortable with what we're doing now. And, uh, another kid by the name of Tuck Atwood, and, you know, that's a middle linebacker that could do some good things as well. And uh, Ben Inus, another kid that's come on strong, just really uh, kind of has a good grasp and in, in understanding what we're doing. So I feel good about the group overall, and it's a bunch of guys that are going to give us a lot of depth on special teams as well, which I'm excited about. What would you say, kind of overall, what's the best quality of this uh, of the linebackers as a group? Man, they bring the energy every day. I mean, they drive the bus at practice. It's I don't ever have to tell them to do it. It's just something that comes 
second nature with those guys. And it, it makes it a lot of fun to be around these dudes, you know, when you go to meetings and, and being out there during drill work and practice, cause it's, it's never quiet. It's, it's always, there's a lot of juice going. So, um, everybody's eager to learn, you know, ask a lot of great questions. Um, very unselfish group, very extremely unselfish group. So, uh, I'm blessed to be able to coach these guys and, and, uh, love going to work every day with them. Well, how would you compare this this 2023 version uh, group of linebackers as uh, as last year? Obviously, you know, you know, we know we lose Sam Phillips, but um, you know, yep. what what's the group looking like this year as opposed to what they did last year? Yeah, we lost. I mean, Sam was a huge you know piece of what we were the last you know three four seasons and three year starter at the outside backer spot and you know uh, extremely smart football player really knew the whole defense in and out. And, uh, I mean, just very, very trustworthy player, you know? Um, so kind of losing him, that was huge, you know, just a big thing going into the season. Uh, Doomy's kind of stepped into that role. I mean, he understands what everybody's doing, understands his job. Um, and is like I said, has taken his leadership to another level and, uh, just overall depth wise, all these kids are a year older than what they were last year. And, uh, you know, all of them got a chance to play in one way or another, you know, during the season last year and just uh, getting that, you know, getting all those reps in spring ball throughout fall camp. Um, all that stuff is just going to make them more comfortable this season. And, you know, I'm very excited about uh, their potential. Well, and what, you know, what are some other guys, maybe some, maybe a young guy or two that, we may not see out on the field this year, but are some young guys that have come into fall camp and have kind of caught, caught your eye and impressed. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, a couple of young men that uh, are still developing uh, uh, Cody Simonsic um, out of Smithville, you know, um, he's came in as a freshman, kind of changed his body, uh, you know, throughout this year and um, just still trying to learn and, and get comfortable with some things. Uh, another kid, uh, David Hockeyes, um he's uh out of, uh, he's trying to remember, Fort Osage, you know, so he's a tough kid. He's uh, actually our backup long snapper. So um, I told him, I mean, you got to get really good at that because you never know what's going to happen. And uh, he's kind of taken that and ran with it. Um, those two guys have done a phenomenal job. Uh, you know, so got some new freshmen coming in, just uh, still still wet behind the ears a little bit. So, you know, we'll probably talk about a few of those guys as the, you know, in the future, but uh, very excited about uh, the potential of this group. Well, one last thing, coach, you know, and you're no stranger to, you know, what it takes to play linebacker at Northwest and linebacker, you know, there's been so many great ones over the years. And you oh, know, yeah. what do you, what do you tell these young guys? You know, when a guy comes in playing linebacker, just how, how do you, how do you tell them the importance and, and uh, kind of prestige that comes with being a linebacker for, for Northwest? Yeah, I think uh, during the recruiting process, when we recruit these guys, it's it's something that we talk about just because there's a big, you know, a huge history of very good linebacking units over the year, over the years. And uh, I mean, there's high expectations. And, um, you know, we talk about that uh, not only in the recruiting process, but when when they get here and throughout meetings. And, um, you know, like I said, the big biggest part is when our six, fifth and six year senior guys you know, they're the ones that are kind of leading that charge a little bit and then showing those guys the way. And, uh, you know, it's pretty special. I mean, just seeing seeing how these groups develop. It's it's individual groups every single year. So uh, just seeing, you know, the uh, 23 version 
of the linebacking unit, you know, I'm, I'm pretty uh, fired up about, you know, what's to come with those guys. So. Sounds great. Well, coach, as always, uh, I appreciate your time and wish you and, and the guys best of luck this season. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Hey, this is Mike Peterson, former Northwest Missouri State University Bearcat, tight end number 89, and you're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Welcome back in here on Bleeding Green, talking the wide receiver position, joined by former Bearcat quarterback and the current wide receiver coach up at Northwest, Zach Martin. And uh, Zach, man, thanks for taking a little time and, and joining me here on Bleeding Green. Of course, of course. Always happy to help. Always happy to help. Well, you've got an exciting group and a group that we're pretty familiar with. I mean, you know, you, you talk those top four guys, um, you know, that are all seniors, but but really kind of the top six. I think the top six receivers just overall are back on this year's team. Um, what has fall camp kind of been so light, far? How's it been? What's it been like so far? And then what, uh, you know, how, how are how is this group coming along and how nice is it to have so many familiar faces back? Yeah, you know, it makes you a smarter coach first off, right? So um, it helps having a lot of game experience. Um, you know, the, the biggest thing is, you know, we got a lot of familiar faces. Um, some guys that have been in the program for four or five years, some guys that came into the program last year. Um, you know, so 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 when everybody kind of got together last year, it was kind of their first time all together. Um, and and obviously it takes a while to get used to people and, and who they are as, as, as human beings and, you know, how they have fun, who they hang out with, that sort of stuff. So, you know, I, the, t the thing I want to say is that, that our group's bonded really well. Um, you know, since the end of last season, throughout the spring, winter, spring, summer, you know, our guy, my guys are hanging out a lot. There's a lot of, you know, things they do outside of football and, and I can just tell as, as, as watching them interact that they're just closer as a group, you know, from a year ago this time, you know, when we brought in uh, Kashan Griffin, uh, Rashad Shelton, uh, Jamar Simpson, you know, three different guys from, from the West Coast that, you know, played some Juco ball or played, you know, at San Jose State with Jamar and threw them all into a room with, you know, Peyton Carter, uh, uh, Trayvon Alexander, Keegan Sturdy, you know, um, it's just cool to kind of see them all, you know, go their ways and, and hang out with people. So I would say that, they, you know, the, the, the cool thing is seeing those guys bond and, and uh, those are going to be their lifelong friends for a long time. Um, and, and the development too, you know, they're, they're doing a phenomenal job of, of, of teaching each other and then teaching our young guys. So I'm excited. I'm thrilled. Like I said, I should be a, I should be a smart football coach this year, hopefully. Um, but, um, you know, excited and, and ex really, really, really can't wait to see these guys go out and play next Thursday night. Well, the, the three transfers that you talked about, of course, KG, Shelton and Simpson, you know, how important has it been for them just to be able to go through a full off season to, uh, cause that isn't something that they happen, you know, they happened last year. And then, um, you know, we, we saw them obviously become more, more and more involved in what, you know, KG especially was able to do throughout the season. How, how helpful has it been for those three guys to get a full off season in? Yeah. I mean, tremendous, right? I mean, I, I want to say, 
rewind a year ago, uh, Rashad and Jamar got here the middle of June, and then KG stepped foot on campus August 4th, and practice started August 5th. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, um, and I think people saw that, you know, right? I mean, everyone could see that all three of them are talented. Um, obviously, KG is pretty electric with the ball in his hand. You know, but there's a lot more in football that goes into just, hey, give that give that guy the ball. You know, um, I think everybody saw as the year went on, you know, um, that guy being more involved in what we were doing offensively. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just excited. We're going to be able to do a lot more with them. We're going to be able to move them around. It's going to be hard for teams to just say he's going to be the backside single receiver because um, he's going to line up everywhere. And and we're, we're excited to kind of, uh, you know, be able to do that. And, um, you know, just the growth with him and the other, other two as well. Uh, it's just, just exciting times. So, um, very fortunate, uh, you know, obviously good football players, great human beings. Um, you know, I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, uh, KG's a dad and, and he's going to, he's a great, great father. I've met his daughter once. So, you know, he, that's obviously a piece of, um, him and, and he's, uh, an exciting kid. Uh, and so, uh, Rashad and Jamar. Jamar is obviously going to be a going to be a junior. Rashad's going to be a senior. The thing about Rashad, unbelievable teammate. Um, give you the shirt off his back type of kid. Um, does, doesn't matter if he plays ten snaps. Doesn't matter if he plays fifty snaps. He just wants to win and, and help the team in any capacity he can. So um, definitely thrilled about those guys um, and and excited to kind of see where it all goes. Well, let's talk about, you know, first off, the the couple of seniors that have been around a while that actually did transfer in, but it just seems like they've been here a long <laughs> time for for Trayvon and for and for Keegan. Let's talk about Trayvon first because he's a guy, I feel like he, he's a guy that brings something a little bit different, kind of that, you know, you you can throw the fate. We saw it a lot later on in the season and, and probably right. played some of his best ball. Talk about mm-hmm. kind of his skill set and how he fits in and how he kind of gives you guys a, a little bit of a different look. Yeah, well, I mean, he's just like a Swiss Army knife, right? I mean, he's he's uh, Alan Lazard. You know, he's a big physical receiver, um, faster than you think. Um, great jump ball type guy. Um, you know, so he he's he's all of that. Um, knows our offense in and out. Um, he. The, the thing about him, he's he's had a tremendous offseason, um, grown a lot, so much. You know, I can't even begin to tell you the growth that young man's had. Um, and, and we really challenged him after last year that he needed to grow and as just as a human being. So he's uh, – I'm excited for him. You know, he's he's got a lot of things ahead of him, whether that's work, whether that's, you know, playing professionally, whatever that looks like. Um, yes, he was a transfer from you and I, he was a defensive player. You're right. It seems like he's been here forever. Um, you know, he, he came here before COVID. Uh, so it, it, yeah, it seems like he's been here forever. Um, but, uh, just, he's going to be using all assets of the game. Uh, he, he could probably line up at tight end and do what we do. You know, there's just a lot of different things he can do. Um, he'll be on special teams. Um, just, just really has, I'm I'm just extremely happy for him because he's he's grown so much this off season, and uh, it's it's all it's all due to him and and, and the work he's put in. Well, and we got to talk about Keegan too, and and so you know obviously 
Coach Sturdy's son, and and there's going to be right. comparisons to Alec Tatum, I think. But when I look at him, I I feel like there's one that's a little bit unfair to uh, to right. compare anybody to Alec Tatum. But two, yep. Keegan, like when he gets the ball in his hands, I see he's got some. I don't know, wiggle. I don't know how else to, to yeah. describe it. Like he, he's kind of electric with the ball in his hands. And I don't know that we've seen, seen the best of him yet. Uh, talk about him a little bit. Yeah. You know, you, you can't replace a guy like Keegan, you know, um, it's like having another football coach on the field. Uh, quite frankly, you know, there's things I learned from him. Uh, he's just been around the game so much. So uh, incredible human being going to be successful in anything he decides to do you know so i, I it, obviously he, he's just got to figure that out um but you know excited for him um you know i was actually a coach's son as well my dad was my high school football coach um that those are special times so we've had conversations about that like you know you don't get to do this all the time so enjoy it and um you know live up your senior year um yes you know obviously the comparisons are there to alec different players um alec alec could kind of change direction extremely quick um he had really good lateral quickness um whereas i think if you line those two up uh hopefully alec doesn't listen to this because he's a ga now but i do think (laughs) keegan would win in a foot race so i think you know you guys saw it actually he took you know a long ball i think it was a long catch and run against like lincoln or something like that early in the year but He's got a little juice to him a little bit, can, can kind of get up and go, uh, and it, it, it is kind of sneaky on you, so it, it, that'll happen. Um, and like I said, he, he makes sure, like, we're all going to be running, doing the right things on the field if he's out there because he's going to make sure of it, um, you know. So he, he's off the ball uh, all the time, and, and I'm, I'm excited to kind of, uh, you know, see him play out his senior year and, and, and see what can happen. Well, I want to talk about Peyton Carter too, a guy you mentioned, a guy who got, you know, was, was on the field a lot, you know, didn't, didn't, uh, you know, destroy the stat sheet or anything like that, but, but kind of a good solid guy. How's he developed through this off season and going into, uh, you know, kind of being this key group of, of six guys at the top of the depth chart. Yeah. Um, he's done a, he's done a phenomenal job. He's another unselfish dude. Um, you know, he's got a role and he understands his role. Um, you know, he played some – in some games he played more, some games he played less. Never once did I ever hear him complaining about it. Just wants to help the football team. Um, you know, so he, he can do anything we ask of him. Um, and, and he brings great energy to the group. Um, he is one of those guys that's going to get everybody going. Um, if you're not doing something right, he's going to get on you. Um, you know, so he's uh, going to work his tail off, did work his tail off all off season. So – Everything he gets, he's earned, um, and, and uh, great kid as well. Um, really smart in the classroom. I believe he graduates this this December and is going to be looking to go into his graduate degree, so he's trying to figure out what he wants to do with that. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for him as well, uh, and, and, and he's going to have a, have a role in everything that we do. Well, how do you feel overall like the depth has developed too? Because, I mean, you know, you look at the roster, I mean, there's a ton of receivers and, uh, you know, that's definitely been been a, a an area of emphasis. A lot of, a lot of young guys that maybe, you know, we're not going to see this year or even necessarily next year, but, uh, you know, maybe with some of these guys graduating, probably not this year. But how, how do you feel like the depth has developed throughout the offseason and throughout fall camp? 
Yeah, you know, um, we we uh, think it would be the last two recruiting cycles. Um, we put an emphasis on the class. Um, obviously, not every year do you want to take the amount of uh, transfers that we did the, the two years ago. Um, so we're going to try to do this thing right and, and do it with four-year guys, um, you know. Um, so past two classes have been really good. Um, we've got uh, a kid by the name of Jake Weber that's going to be a really good football player. Um, and you might get to see him actually earlier than what people think because um, he can play and he's, and he's tough uh, and, and he's going to be a good one. So he's uh, all football. Um, and Williamsburg, Iowa kid, um, great in the weight room, strong kid, and and he just wants to be great. And so he's he's going to have a shot. Uh, you're going to have a name. Uh, Duke Timmons is a Florida kid. Uh, he, he's probably going to be a year away, um, but he's got, he's going to he, he catches the ball really well. Um, the thing with him is he's got to put a little weight on and be ready for you know the game of the college game, uh, you know. Uh, and then, you know, it's a little early to tell on the guys that just got here, but there's going to be, you know, two to three that we're pretty excited about, um, in this year's class. So we're, uh, we're feeling pretty good here. We've got a couple of good juniors and some, and some younger guys, and we got a couple sophomores that, that are kind of making a push right now as well that, that we're excited about. So, um, it's going to be, it's, you know, it's a good problem to have. There's a lot of good players. Um, and, uh, you know, I got to find a way. It's my job to find a way that to get all the right people on the field and the right spots on the bus. So um, I'm excited to do that. It'll be good. And uh, we got, like I said, we've just got a lot of depth and and um, and guys understand that are bought into. You know, we, we got a really good group and, and really close group. And uh, whenever they're whether it's five snaps, sixty snaps, they're going to play their tails off. So. Well, kind of one last thing I want to ask you about, Zach, as you look back to last year at this time, um, obviously we know the experience and all that, but how, how would you evaluate this group, you know, today, this week, as opposed to where we were at at this time last year before the season started? Yeah, it's just it's just knowledge and experience. You know, um, I'm not installing a whole offense to three half of the guys that are going to play. You know, um, now it's teaching the little things, you know, Hey, this is man coverage. Hey, this is cover two, this is cover three. This is what we're going to do. Um, you know, here's a slight route adjustment off of this. If he does this. So it just kind of helps us be right more than what we may have had to been last year with, um, you know, having to make this one call and kind of live with it. So, um, and then obviously game experience, you know, guys aren't going to be guys know what it is week to week to prepare to be in a football game at our level. Um, they know what the road environment in MIAA looks like. They know week in and week out, you better show up. So um, not having educated people on that anymore, it, it, now they can kind of just go out and play. So uh, I'm excited. Um, we're going to get to be able to do a lot with our guys. Um, you know, there's one name that hasn't been mentioned that I would be also not mentioning his name. Um, he actually transferred here with that group last year, but was uh, came in with an injury. His name's John Giajiri. He's a Diablo Valley kid uh, from Northern California, um, and he's going to be a good one as well. So he's going to be—he'll play some this year, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see him more than what people might think. But um, I don't know where I thought of his name, but I hope that was all right. I threw him in there. <laughs> well, actually, he is somebody whose name I wrote down because I remember kind of when he—he he had an injury. He had a knee injury. Is that right? 
Yes. Yeah, so year? it was an ankle. So ankle, okay. he, he, when we were recruiting him, um, he, he kind of had some D1 stuff that, you know, were kind of more walk-on type things. Um, he, he broke his ankle like two days before he was actually coming out on his visit. Um, which is, you know, <laughs> very, very poor luck. Um, you know, it's funny. He, he told me, uh, you know, when he ended up coming here that he wasn't going to come here had he been healthy. He was going to want to do one of the walk-on deals. Um, but, you know, he, he was injured, had surgery and stuff. Um, he comes here, you know, grinds to the rehab, uh, you know, kind of meshes in with all the guys. Uh, and, 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 you know, when he finally got cleared and, uh, December, I believe it was a kind of a six month, six month deal. Um, you know, obviously he was back home and then really from the spring on is when I've got to see witness him and, and he's only done really good things. Um, I think he, he led either the league or the Northern Cal division and receptions or yards or something like that. Um, so he, he just understands football, understands windows. He can block, he can do it all. So, um, yeah, that's another name thrown thrown to the mix of the six guys as well. Um, so we're excited. Yeah, he, he's going to be a good one, and he's got two years left to play as well. Awesome. Well, Zach, I won't take up any more of your time. I, I appreciate making a little time and coming to talk about these guys and wish you uh, and the team the best of luck this season. Of course. Thank you very much. Let me know if I can ever do anything for you guys. Hey, this is Tony Miles down here in Waco, Texas, listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniels. Hey, if you're not listening to Bleeding Green, you're not listening to anything. And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green. Pleased to be joined by the running backs coach, former Bearcat defensive end and national champion himself, Roberto Davis. And uh, Coach Davis, man, thanks uh, for taking a little time and uh, coming on Bleeding Green with me. No, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I love what you you guys do over here, so appreciate you having me. Well, I appreciate the kind words. Well, well, let's talk about running backs. Kind of a lot of exciting stuff. I mean, there's... um, you know, it's not like uh, not losing anything, but, you know, a guy like Jaden Brady, who's who's a captain now, talk about his development and kind of what, you know, he obviously became a bigger, kind of worked his way into the, um, onto the scene last year into some playing time. Such a cool story, too, from walk-on to, to gaining his scholarship last year. Now he's a captain. Just talk about what, uh, just talk about his development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jaden Brady, uh, man, I couldn't say enough great things about that young man. Um, like you said, he originally was a walk on for us. Um, you know, I kind of remember when I got back here in 21 and, um, you know, he just had flashes, uh, you know, from time to time and just showing his ability um, and, you know, earned himself a spot on the travel team um, that season um, and started kind of working him in little by little, just with different packages that we had created for him. So he didn't see a big role, but, um, you know, got his feet kind of wet and then um, just kind of transitioning from last year, you know, um, you know, the real thing that was really awesome about Jaden Brady is very unselfish teammate. Um, you know, he didn't uh, get a lot of reps early in the year. 
and then kind of as the year picked up and he was making plays in practice and it kind of transitioned to the football field. Um, at one point last year, I remember we threw him in at returner um, and he did some great stuff for us as a returner and um, just continue to build on his role. And, and he's kind of taken that and ran with it this off season. Um, you know, he was all, always a guy that's very positive, um, always, you know, trying to motivate others and the biggest, one of the biggest team guys I've ever been around. So love that about him. Um, and then now that, you know, He's gotten the captain tag, which is uh, a very special thing to have here. Um, he he doesn't see himself any different. He sees himself as kind of being a, a guy that continues to need to learn, and and he does that, and he he does that with his leadership and coaching younger guys and helping younger guys out. So I've been very impressed with his development. Um, you know, it kind of shows for itself, and and I look forward to kind of what this year's what this year will bring to him um, going forward. So that's that should be exciting. Well, and, you know, he's kind of a scat back and wasn't even the main guy in high school. And he's come in and, I mean, he's, you know, no no stranger. He doesn't shy away from running inside in between the tackles for a little guy. Shows shows a lot of toughness. Oh, has a lot of toughness. And and he's a guy, you know, I, I go back to last season and, and him being the guy that, uh, you know, just threw it in there no matter what. He always was tough and, and never shied away from anything. And I think that kind of speaks to who he is. You know, he's a guy that's going to lay it on the line for the football team. And no matter what, you just give him the task and he'll go accomplish that task. And, and you know, that's Jaden Brady for you. Well, let's talk about, you know, we don't get true freshmen that come in and, and play very often in Northwest at anything, especially not running back. Jay Harris certainly did that last year, leading the team and rushing TDs. He kind of adds a physicality. Um, man, he's a, he's an impressive looking guy. And then you <laughs> see him run over people in the field. Talk about him kind of working his way in last year and what you've seen from him through the offseason. Yeah, Jay Harris, like you said, came in last year, um, actually a couple games into the season. Um, I, I can't remember off the top of my head what was his first game um, that he kind of started playing in. But uh, I do know early on, you know, it was kind of that talk. Well, he, he's physically uh, – he has the physical features that, uh, you know, that – had that that makes you say wow basically when you're looking at him um you know he's pretty muscular he's a taller kind of back um and he is a physical runner um and i think as we kind of would watch him in practice going against the defense and just watching what he was capable of doing he didn't shy away from anything um and and that kind of just transitioned to what we kind of needed right so last year you know when you have a jamar moya you have a tank young and you have a Jaden brady um you need that bigger kind of back and and that's what he was able to kind come in and fill for us and kind of, uh, you know, he's a tough one to tackle. He, he's one that, you know, in the first quarter, everybody's greased up in the first quarter trying to make plays. But as the fourth quarter comes, you know, he, he can physically dominate. And and that's what he did last year. Um, and he had some great plays and came on late for us. And throughout the spring, um, I think he developed. I think he has a better understanding of our offense, which does help him out a lot. Um, just being able to line up and play uh, where last year, you know, we kind of had to, you know, just keep, simplify it for him is the best way to say it. Where this year, um, you know, he can he can be a, a little more out there, a little more and be able to hold his own and understand what's going on. Coming in as a freshman, you know, it's kind of tough picking up this, this style of offense. And then obviously with the signaling stuff in and it's just a lot to take on when you're coming from a high school that, you know, 
you know, you may have five or six run plays and five or six passing plays or whatever that looks like. Not all high schools are like that, but some of them are. And he came in and struggled early just mentally with the playbook. Um, but now I feel like he's getting a lot more comfortable. He definitely did throughout the spring. And, and now we're excited to see what kind of, you know, how he grows throughout the season this year as well. Well, you mentioned Tank Young. He's the guy I want to talk about next, kind of a real versatile player, kind of done a little bit of everything, definitely shown flashes. What uh, Have you noticed his development uh, this uh, from last year to this year? Absolutely. I think Tank uh, Young is night and day difference from last year to this year. Um, I think last year, you know, we put him in situations and, and people were familiar with our offense. No, we do a lot of stuff with two backs on the field um, and we'll have that cat back kind of being out as a number two receiver and doing a lot with him. Um, and I think, you know, early on, I think just mentally um, he didn't pick it up as fast um, as far as just kind of learning two positions. Um, but this year he is night and day different. Uh, he is, he has learned our offense um, in totality with understanding our passing game and what we want there. And then being able to kind of be a, a motion guy or potentially give it to him either on the, out the backfield or um, out at receiver. So his development is, is, has been huge. Um, his understanding of our offense has, has been night and day different. And I look forward to kind of seeing what kind of season he's going to have. And I know it's crazy. I got three guys that, you know, that who played last year, who I really, really do believe in. Um, and we got to, we just got to put those guys in the right situation for them to make plays. And, and I think we have the style of offense to do that. Um, but with Tank, man, he's had a phenomenal, phenomenal um, fall camp so far, um, running the ball out the backfield, lining up at, as a cat back. Um, he, uh, you know, he'll be on the field a lot. And, and I look forward to kind of seeing what matchups we can create with him to, to kind of open him up quite a bit. Well, and, you know, you talk about three guys, but heck, there was almost kind of six at, at points last year with Jamar Moya and, and yeah. kind of a, a big part of the offense as he was, Robert Rawi, who it seemed like yeah. right about the time he got going, he, he uh, you know, got hurt, although he had, you know, I, I like that, that was one of my favorite moments of the season against uh, Washita Baptist where he got in, scored a touchdown. and Absolutely. And, uh, and then Kevin Dominique, a guy that, you know, maybe just didn't quite fit in, but I mean, three other guys. So, so how do you feel about the position, how it's come along from the end of last season to, to now and, and especially developing depth? Absolutely. I think it's been huge. I, I feel really good. Like we talked about the, the three guys that played last year. Um, and then I, I got a, a good amount of young guys who, who I really do believe in, who have chances to possibly play this year and impact the football game. So, you know, going, um, you know, one guy that stands out right now just because he had a really good um uh, scrimmage the other day um, is Dom Myers. Um, you know, he's a smaller guy and you'll see him with pads on and and you'll be like, what is he going to do? But he's a very explosive guy, um, very fast. Um, he kind of hides behind the offensive line and does a good job of just hitting creases downhill pretty fast. So I look forward to what he can do. He was a guy who actually played wide receiver last year. We moved him in the spring um, to running back and, and he has just flourished so far as far as understanding everything um and then it helps them out if we do put them at that catback position because he spent a year at receiver just kind of learning what those guys do so um and then his ability to return kicks and stuff like that so he'll be he'll be one that um you know i'm pretty high on um and then we got eric richardson another another kind of 
running back, cat back kind of guy. He's a little taller than the other guys, but he's pretty, he's very fast, very explosive. Um, so we'll be able to put him in. And then the other guy, um, oh, I forgot, totally dropped the ball on this Jackson Miller. Jackson Miller is a guy, um, probably um, one of the, uh, you know, he's, he's one of the guys that's very smart when it comes to the playbook. Um, he knows what to do in all positions. Um, he's originally from Kansas, but he does a phenomenal job as well. So those three guys right there are guys that didn't see a lot of, you know, playing time, if any, last year, um, who are going to who are, have an opportunity to impact the football game in some sort of way, where, whether it be offense or special teams um, that you guys will see a lot of. Um, so I look forward to all that kind of stuff. And I, I love the development of that group. Um, I think they're a close knit group. They, you know, it's it's a lot of a lot of good times in position meetings and on the football field with those guys because they do bring a lot of energy. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited for that group. All right. It sounds good. Well, coach, I won't take up any more of your time. I certainly appreciate you uh, coming on and, and we'll, we'll try to do this again soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Let me know. Love to be on. And I appreciate you having me on and love what you guys do again and uh, look forward to following you guys throughout the year. Hey, Bearcat fans, this is Mel Churchman, former Bearcat coach. You're listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green and joined by the Bearcats' new kicking and punting coach, uh, Coach J.J. Aller, and uh, appreciate him coming on. J.J., man, thanks so much for taking a little time and uh, joining me here on Bleeding Green. Oh, I appreciate it. I'm glad to be on. I'm glad to talk about kicking and punting. I'm pretty passionate about it, so it'll have a good day today. Well, it, well, it's pretty awesome, and I think it's awesome that we have somebody working with the guys. I've appreciated all the all the videos and things, kind of on social media, is is throughout the off season. You know, I, I uh, as fans kind of get starved for <laughs> for some things, and so it's nice to see anything current. And so that's uh, that's been fun for me. But I I want to use this opportunity to kind of get to know you a little bit. Um, you know, where, where are you from originally? Uh, born and raised in Sedalia, Missouri, Smith Cotton High School, and was a soccer player and kind of got into kicking in college. Okay. Where'd you go, where'd you go to college and, and kick at? Uh, Baker University in Baldwin City, Kansas. Okay. And then kind of you, you kicked some professionally. How, how did, how, before we get to that, how did you find your college experience kicking i mean did you feel like there was enough instruction or you needed more that actually that's that's what's kind of spawned into the kicking business for me there literally was no one there for me it was all you know o-line coaches defensive line coaches so basically you got some crazy ideas of keep your head down follow through kick it straight you know these weird things and you're like but but how do i do this no one knew i came off the soccer field i had no coaching getting you a bag of footballs and say, go over the game field and figure it out. And so my passion is to make sure that a generation of kickers don't have to go through that, that we can get them started early the right way and give them success later in life with it. So how did you, I mean, did you kind of have to go out on your own and, and seek out some assistance or learn some things? How did you kind of build up that skill set yourself? Essentially I just recorded film as much film as I could get on the old VHS uh, players. You probably remember those back in the day, mm -hmm. but uh, so I would, I would do film. I would watch all the pro college kickers. You know, I'd go frame by frame. I think I wore out two ECRs with the frame by frame. So I just studied a lot of different kickers, a lot of different styles. And then finally kind of saw some correlation between different kickers doing the same things 
And so I started to put that into practice and then over time kind of developed my own style that was consistent. Well, and so th- then you, had, you, I know you were in some NFL camps and you kicked professionally for a while. What did you do uh, after your college days were over? Well, uh, the good thing about the arena league was it's a spring and summer league. So uh, one of my friends from high school was coaching at Missouri Valley in Marshall. So that's just a short drive from Sedalia. So I started down there just working with kickers and punters in the fall. And then I would, I would do substitute teaching in the Sedalia school district and then, uh, and play in the spring and summer. And, uh, so, so that coaching, you talked about kind of being driven to that, you know, through your own experience and, and having somebody out there was, was that always something you were drawn to, or did that kind of come about at, at any certain point that you remember? Uh, I remember, you know, I went to Park Park College in Parkville, Missouri, and played soccer for three years in college. And so, I don't know, at a certain point, you know, I just was interested in kicking. I'd always had kind of an interest in it, but in the back in when I was in high school in the eight, late 80s and early 90s, you couldn't, uh, they didn't want you to play soccer and football like they'll do today. So you had to choose one or the other. And so uh, if they had allowed that, I probably would have done both. But I always had kind of an interest in, in watching uh, kickers and punters. I thought it was interesting to see the ball flying, and, and it was kind of impressive when you got around someone that was really good. Well, so how did your how, how did uh, the Northwest thing come about? How did how did you hook up with uh, with the Bearcats? Well, essentially, it came down to I was at uh, Grand Valley High School for the last two years and had a really good kicker there. And his sister went to Northwest, and he was interested in Northwest. So I just kind of started watching film on him to see. If how he would compare to the kickers that they currently had, and so I was I basically just saw film on Cole, and so I saw some things that he was that I thought I could improve on. I said, "Well, I could really help this kid if uh, if that would work out." So I just reached out to Coach Wright and said, "Hey, this is you know, who, you know where I'm at, what I do, and what I think I could do for Cole." And so uh, Coach Clayton called me and, and said, "Hey, why don't we come up and let's talk and, and see what we can come up with?" And so that's essentially how it really happened. Well, awesome. Well, let's talk about that. I kind of want to talk about some of the guys that you've been working it with. We'll start with Cole, and he he was one of a you know a, a really good story from from last year to the year before of kind of coming in being more consistent. There's you know certainly maybe some PAT issues and things that were dealt with last year, but I mean you know he 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 definitely improved. And I you know I saw some film. Heck, I think he you know, kicked a 57 yard field goal that you had, you had, uh, we definitely haven't seen that from him, um, that you had shared on social media. What, uh, kind of talk about him and, and, and how he's developed in, in your time working with him, what you guys have worked on. Well, first of all, he, he's a great student of kicking. So he's been very open to change it. Sometimes it's hard to come in and change someone when they're used to doing something, even if it's wrong, they feel comfortable with what they're doing. They try to figure out how to make the wrong stuff work right. And so uh, he's been very open to me fixing things and changing things. His consistency level has really gone up. So we worked on, he had a plant foot issue when I came in, and that's what was driving the missed extra points. And so we, we saw that, and so we would fix the plant foot first. And I've been working with the swing, the swing pattern with it. And so what we call it, what's fit to form is what we call it in, in our world. But we worked on his fit to form, and so his consistency has really gone up in camp. He's had a really good camp. And then again, last night in the heat and the humidity, he has another 57 yard field goal. So right down the middle. So he's, uh, he's really coming on. 
Nice. Well, then Noah Gastella, a, a guy that the coaches brought in last year and had some injury issues and and kind of early in the season, but I've, I've heard and, and seen some good things with him. How how have you uh, how have you found him and and how's he been developing throughout throughout camp? Right. So when when I got there, I didn't had no, no idea who Noah was until I got there, and then uh, I didn't realize we I knew we had two kickers on the roster. I didn't know we had a third. Noah's had an, an incredible camp as well. He's very very consistent on his field goals. He's really pushed Cole, and I think that's helped both of them get better as they're pushing each other. So there's no no guaranteed job. You you got to earn your job every day, and so they kind of take that uh, lunch pail mentality to work every day. That hey, I got to watch the guy behind me because if I if I tail off, this guy's going to come in and take my job. So that's that's what I think has been great. We've had competition, and I think that's what breeds excellence in kickers is competition. Well, and and yeah, and then there, then there's Devin, Devin DeRose, uh, another uh, another guy who you know you mentioned Baker. He's he's transferring from Baker, and and uh, you know has definitely seemed you know it seems like we got you got three pretty good guys to uh, to work with. Very very lucky to have three excellent kickers. Any of these three kickers could go to another school and probably be the number one kicker. In a lot of them, they're they're that good. Uh, the consistency, I see it. I'm only there a couple of days during the week because I live in Kansas City, work here. I see all the uh, huddle film daily, and there's a lot of made field goals and a lot of really good high deep kickoffs. So uh, I've been very, very fortunate to have three really good students of the game of kicking and that are willing to make the changes to try to elevate their game even higher. Well, let's let's talk about the punters as well. I mean, that's another thing that you know that we've seen Cole do at times. Um, you know, and and obviously bringing in Joseph Wires, the, the transfer from Livingstone, and then then Mikey Hohensey, who who's been the punter and is 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 no slouch in his own right. How do you feel like that group of guys is coming along? Uh, they're 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 really getting going too. Uh, Mikey uh, really gives us an opportunity of being a quarterback that we can do a lot of different things, special teams scheme wise, with him. You know, rolling out, throwing the ball. But uh, you know, Coach Clayton likes to do a lot of different things there. So I think he poses kind of a threat to our opponents as of are they going to punt the ball what are they going to do with quarterback back there so it kind of changes uh that dynamic a little bit uh mikey's had a great camp he's really hitting the ball well he's a very strong kid very strong legged so he gets it up and out and gives us a chance to cover it so i've been really pleased with him very very pleased that joseph coming in from livingston college very very strong leg we're working some uh, details out with him as far as the scheme's different from where he came from, so we're trying to get his punting to work with our scheme a little bit better. But he's hit some uh, some really good balls, upper level balls that would put you, you know, on the top of the conference. You know, maybe even in the running for an All American spot. If we can just get the consistency going with him, he's going to be really, really strong for us. That's great. Well, uh, well, coach, I've appreciated having you on, getting to know you a little bit. It's exciting. It's exciting to get an update on on the uh, guys and and having somebody working with them. And excited to see what uh, what all these guys can do this season. Absolutely, I'm I'm very excited about it. I think we're going to see some really big things from our specialists this year. Hey, this is former Bearcat Utility Knife Jordan Grove, and you are listening to Bleeding Green with Matt Daniel. Go Cats! And welcome back in here on Bleeding Green. Time for the Bearcats, according to Eli. Ah, yes, Eli making his return weekly to the podcast uh, now through the end of the season. Eli, buddy, 
What's going on? Nothing. Nothing. What? Uh, are you glad to be back to school? No, but I just noticed something. Every time uh, you ask me that question, I always say nothing. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to say nothing. I think that's the patented kid answer when an adult asks you that question. Especially how was school. Yes. Every adult asks you, right, how was school? Uh-huh. And every adult asks you the last month of summer, are you ready to go back to school? And I always say the same thing. No. Mm-hmm. I believe you. Well, we uh, last week got to go to a Bearcat uh, football practice. I think yeah. that was the first time. I don't think you went with me last year when I went during camp. Um, what what uh, what was that like? How'd you like it? It was pretty cool. It was really fun to watch them. Well, and there's a lot of stuff going on. Did you know that? Like all the different groups break I know, up. I like and... all the groups break up and then they all practice with the coaches. Mm-hmm. And so uh, got to see Coach T. Yeah. That was a good time. Well, what, what anything stick out to you? Any players or No, they all did really good though. Mhm. We got to see that big long 99-yard touchdown. Oh the, yeah, that was crazy. Where Mikey threw it to KG. That was pretty fun. Uh-huh. And got to see some got to see some good throws, some good defense. Um what uh I don't know. So, do we have any leading candidates for your favorite bearcat yet nope not yet I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the games wait for the games okay so no 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 preseason uh, no preseason pick as far as that goes i don't want to make no mistakes <laughs> you got to see these guys when live rounds are firing as coach Wright likes to say and see uh um well, we'll be leaving. Of course, this is dropping on Thursday. So so later today, we will be at uh, the scrimmage, the fall scrimmage. It's There's hot. A scrimmage today? Mm-hmm. Oh, fun. And we're going to go. Yep, remember they signed the posters and all that stuff prior? We always oh, go to yeah, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, they moved, it, moved it back, and so uh, it's going to be at 7. It's still going to be hot, but maybe we okay. can sit in the shade of the press box or something. Like ask. you sit underneath the press box, you can get a little bit of shade if you're on the home side. I was uh, about to ask. I was going to be like, wait, what time? <laughs> so that's nice. That's fun. I did. I forgot. I have a bad memory. Mm-hmm. So so that's always nice. It's like kind of exciting to see see uh, some of the young guys. I was like this in the spring game. You get to see some young guys that you may not see on the field. You're going to see what... What some of the other guys can do that are going to be starters, and we get a little bit of taste of Bearcat football before the season starts. Uh huh. That'll be fun. Yeah, and then uh, we're we're going to Joplin week one next week. Oh yeah. What day is that? Thursday. Okay. The thirty first. Mm, you'll get to you'll get to skip out on a little bit of school that day, so. Yeah, but um, I don't care about that part. I don't care if I had to wait through school. I just want to go. Mm. Well, it's a, it's a drive down there, so you, you we were definitely going to have to leave leave a little bit earlier than than when school gets. I don't think we could get down there by kickoff. It'd be it'd be pretty close. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else? Anything else you want to talk about? Um. How's it feel that uh, your brother's playing football? 
this season. His season started. We got to see him in the uh, Jamboree last week. How was that? Yeah, he did pretty good. He got a few plays in. Four. So, four plays. That's right. Hey, it's better than none. I wasn't sure there would be any. So, as a freshman, that's that's all right. All right with Um, that. But it was also a Jamboree. Mm Mm-hmm. So... We'll see. We'll see if he plays. Uh, we'll see if he plays this week. Got JV games up coming up though. He get to play a lot. So you're going to be in junior high next year. It's the first opportunity where you can play football. Mm. I don't know. Would be pretty cool to be on a football podcast while you're in football. Mm-hmm. I'm st- I'm thinking about it. Are you a little nervous though? Uh-huh, but I think I might do it. I don't know. Do you know what number you would want to be? That's the question. Oh, my favorite number is seven. So seven. Mm-hmm. My second favorite number is 16. And my third favorite number is two. I want to be one of those. Those are my three favorite numbers. Interesting. I don't think I knew that on any of the any of those three numbers. What? I don't know if I have three favorite numbers, to be honest with you. Seven is the best number to me. Mm-hmm. And um, seven's my lucky number. Well, that's KG's number for the Bearcats. So. Oh. Is he an early front runner <laughs> <laughs> for your favorite um, player? I'm not going to let numbers. That's cheating. Okay. All right. All and right. everybody would change their number to one of those. I'm joking. <laughs> yes. They all want to know what Eli's favorite number is. Uh-huh. And that's totally what they don't would. have better things to do. <laughs> all right, buddy. Got anything else? How, how do you want to close it out? What What do you want to say to, to wrap us up here? I want to say that the Bearcats are not yellow. They're not red. They're not blue, and they're not blue. They're green. There he is, Mr. Eli, the star of the show in midseason form. That's the Bearcats, according to Eli, the king of elementary school, a sixth grader now. He'll be junior high next year. He's the middle one. My oldest son, Max, is a freshman. He is playing football for the very first time, so it's all new, exciting and, uh, and trying it out, and so that's fun. I'm a football parent now, so got our first game uh, this Friday night, so kind of a, get the scrimmage Thursday, some high school football Friday, and uh, the baby of the family, Graceland, she is uh, in third grade. So all the Daniel kids are in school, and it's quiet around the house. I work from home, and uh, which is fantastic. I absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, it's not for everybody. I didn't at first. It's honestly one of the good things that's kind of come from COVID. So as I sit here and record in my studio, that's a slash office, that's just full of Bearcat stuff. This is where I spend most of my time. It's where I spend every single day and a lot of evenings working on the podcast. And, uh, but boy, it's been pretty quiet this week. Just me and our seven pound miniature schnauzer. Lucy, who's basically a cat. <laughs> She's just, I've, I know people that have cats bigger than her. Um, just kind of hanging out and getting some work done, 
on the computer in a, in a nice quiet house. So I'm thrilled that the kids are back to school. Love that. But that's been what's going on in the Daniel house. Now, I got to tell you what's going on on the podcast next week. I mentioned Coach Wright. He will be on. We'll be talking about the whole team. I definitely want to pick his brain on D-line, on the defense, but we'll talk about the whole team. I always like to do that after the scrimmage, so we'll be recording that after the Thursday night scrimmage. I kind of once fall fall camp is broke and, and getting ready for the season. We'll cover both sides of the Northwest Missouri Southern game as well. And so that'll be coming up on next week's episode. Player interview will return. I had plans to do that this week. In fact, I have a few in the can, but I didn't want to make this episode any longer, quite frankly. So the guy they call Doomy, linebacker Andrew Dumas, one of the captains this year, will be joining me as the first player in the player interviews next week. And those, one of the most popular things probably I do. And one of my favorite things to do, honestly. It's kind of fun. You know, we don't, talk about a lot of on, it's kind of a get to know you type interview you don't want to talk about a lot of on the field stuff that's currently going on and I'll have those throughout the season work my way through the five captains and then then through as many of the seniors as we can get through my goal is always to try to get as all of them or all of them that I can get a hold of and, and have on so so that's going to continue throughout the season give you a little something to look forward to of course the Bearcats according to Eli will have our picks um, I'm doing the pick them once again in the Maryville Forum, and so that those will be uh, those will be my picks, and and Eli will give his, and we'll uh, we'll kind of keep track of that. See who, see if Eli can oust me this year. Honestly, we'll uh, we'll see what happens as far as that goes. But a, a special guest next week as well. You know, one of the pleasant surprises, um, as far as me, something I I didn't really expect and maybe I should have, was was the amount of support that I have gotten and that Bleeding Green has gotten from parents of Bearcat players. That's honestly surprised me a little bit. And um, and how universally <laughs> it's, it's kind of been adopted and loved, which um, thrills the heck out of me. I, I'm, I'm very flattered. The first parent to reach out to me last season, former Bearcat center Mitch Goff, his mom Shelly, reached out to me, spent a lot of time at the tailgates and things with, with some of the parents and, and, uh, got to know the golfs very, fairly well. And, uh, Mitch's dad, Dave and I, we talked a lot about having him on, about coming on the podcast. And so he is going to be my guest next week. I, I've been really interested to talk and, and I thought maybe it would fit in sometime before the season, but we're just going to put it in next week as part of kind of this kickoff special that I'll be doing is, um, you know, from the parents' point of view, because yes, a lot of you are parents and listening, so you know, I don't, right? There's a there's a lot of of bleeding green listeners. We're not going to know that. You know, we'll never be, be a parent of of a college athlete or or a Bearcat football player, and so it's it's really interesting to me. I had a lot of questions I wanted to ask him. There's a lot of stuff that Dave wanted to talk about, and so we got a pretty long chat next week. I'm pretty excited about that one. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. And uh, kind of my thought process and the idea behind that, I think that's uh, that's going to be going to be pretty good to listen to. And so next week will be a long one. I don't think it's going to be this long <laughs> of a podcast, but um, you know, that's that's coming up next week. I a couple other things I wanted to say before I wrap things up because congratulations, by the way, if you've made it <clears throat> if you've made it this long, is 
I want to talk a minute kind of about the the thought process and my mindset behind this podcast. I've there's little nuggets here and there. If you're if you're a regular listener, maybe you've kind of pieced some things together. I don't talk about it a whole lot. I don't talk about myself an incredible amount um, here on the podcast. But you know, one of the things was, you know, the idea was never necessarily for this to be a profitable venture. You know, everybody's got a side hustle nowadays, right? That's the thing. I'm not saying that's bad, but that's not really what this ever was for me. Um, you know, I mean, there there are yearly expenses and things like that 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 add up that that are just part of it. And honestly, if if I would have had to keep on paying those, I would keep doing this podcast because that's you know they're <laughs> they spent the same amount of money yearly in much dumber ways <laughs> than on than on bleeding green. But you know, I I started a, a Venmo here recently, and uh, you know I've put the the, everything out on my social media. It's it's at Bleeding Green Podcast on Venmo. If you would like to make a donation, that would be wonderful. Don't feel like you have to. Um, I will probably mention it each episode. Really, if you know if there's an amount you want to give yearly, spectacular, awesome. I appreciate that. And in, in fact, the support I've gotten already, I didn't I didn't necessarily expect so much. So thank you. It, there's not. I'm not going to thank people individually or anything like that, but it's already allowed me to pay for a couple of subscriptions that come up this time of year that I use for the podcast, which is great. And, but I do want to say, you know, that I'm not looking (laughs) to necessarily get a bunch of donations and pocket any of that and do whatever, any, anything that is above what I offset, my goal and, and this has always been the goal. At the very beginning of this thing, I said, if I ever make any money with this podcast, it will go right back in to the podcast. And that's 100% of what I'm going to do. I have things that I would like to do, kind of dreams that maybe are a couple of years away, things that you know I can do to promote the podcast and and uh, advertise it even. I think there's, there's still a reach that's honestly been an incredible amount of growth. The month of August was the most downloaded month ever and not not necessarily individual episodes although the ad episode is already number two um ever (laughs) which is pretty fantastic but you know the the ceiling is i feel like still pretty high on this yes you've got to be a bearcat football fan (laughs) to enjoy this thing but there's a lot of us I, i really believe there is and so um Anyway, if you would like to donate, great. I appreciate it. So many people have, and thank you so much. Again, I'm not going to thank everybody by name or anything like that, but but just know that it's appreciated. I can leave a little heart when you make a donation on Venmo. I will. That's me letting you know that I see it and that I appreciate it. So, so thank you to everyone that has. Now, if you don't want to donate or you can't, no problem. I don't want anybody to feel bad about that. Some things you can do to help me out for free well, I'll, I'll let you do those things, <laughs> right? We can, we can make a little bit of a compromise. Anytime you, you see anything that I share on social media, if you want to share that, re, retweet it. Listen, I'm just going to call it that. Okay, I know it's X, but I don't care. You can, <laughs> you can retweet it on Twitter, you know, like. Make sure you subscribe, underscore bleeding, underscore green is the Twitter page for the podcast. 
on Facebook, Bleeding Green Podcast is the group. Go like that. Follow that group. I think you can even leave leave a review, which a couple of people have. I certainly appreciate. And the same thing with wherever you listen this through, if you want to, uh, and if you would, make sure you subscribe. If you can leave a whatever, a thumbs up, a five-star review, whatever it is. Um, sometimes you can even, you know, leave reviews and things and, and eventually those do make their way to me. I, I do eventually see those and, and get emails and things about those. So, so occasionally I do, I certainly appreciate that. And just, um, you know, I think we can grow this thing and, and it's gotta be together. It isn't me. It's a, we, because I, I can't do what it is that I do and want to do with this podcast without you. So thank you. All right. No more mushy stuff. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but I, I genuinely appreciate it. I, I, I certainly do. All the support is great. We're, we're really gaining some momentum and I, I just want to keep that thing rolling and keep it going. So don't forget next week we'll preview the first game. Dave Goff will be joining me. Coach Wright will be joining me. Bearcats according to Eli predictions will return. Lots of great stuff. And that's going to do it for this edition of Bleeding Green Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. Thank you for uh, sticking around as you have. Don't forget, be kind, because kindness makes a difference. And as always, go Bearcats! <laughs>